Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. This is episode number two, our rare and mythic rare set review. I'm Ben Worney, one of your co-hosts, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, how you doing this morning? I'm good, man. I am uh, excited to jump back right into the podcast game and uh, get these rares and mythics graded. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, fresh off a, a pretty recent 18-hour uh, stream for you, too. How, how was that? <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I did a I did an 18-hour stream a couple days ago. Uh, it was really fun. It is sort of a blur. I cannot imagine how people do 24-hour streams, but uh, maybe you just build up the stamina for it or something. Um, but yeah, it was great. I had a couple other Twitch stream guests on there, Sandball49 and Jamie Topples, as well as yourself. Um, some other... Fun things. My brother Skyped in, did a little, like, karaoke stream with my friend Charlie. It was uh, really fun, really embarrassing. I will definitely be doing that again. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I think my favorite was when when Charlie was on and you guys were doing karaoke. Um, <laughs> I always forget who does the song. It's the, do you still call me oh, yeah. Superman? Uh, Is it Three, three Doors Down? down or? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I always get them in Third Eye Blind mixed up. <laughs> it's not, you know, th- three words with a three. It's pretty... Pretty easy to confuse those two. Yeah, and so if, if there's anybody listening that is not uh, normally a Twitch user, there's a thing called uh, Videos on Demand. So mm-hmm. if you are interested in checking out Twitch, it's it's one of the best places to consume magic content, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, people are pl- people are playing live, and there's pros. LSV will be streaming. Owen will be streaming. Ethan and I stream. There's just tons of people playing magic of every variety, modern, standard, draft limited um and especially if you're a if you're somebody that loves limited but maybe doesn't have the budget to draft as much as you want like you can just go on twitch and hang out with other people that are drafting as much as they want um and get your fix get your fix that way so videos on demand if you went to ethan's page which is lord lord tupperware so twitch.tv slash lord tupperware you can you can find videos on demand of his 18 hour stream and all the other streams he's done and same for my streams as well yeah i don't know how long they keep them for non-partnered streamers but it's like something like a two to three week backlog i think so um yeah should be there for a little bit if you want to check out the shenanigans that occurred on monday yeah so you want to get going on the set review here of course enough small talk let's get to business um all right so we are going to be grading the rares and mythics if you missed our first episode that's where we talked about the commons and uncommons um but today we'll be talking about the rares much like grading anything on yelp or TripAdvisor or a movie we're going to be going with a five star scale hopefully i think we may uh, be a bit better adjusted this week in terms of lining up our uh, our stars um but anyway so Here's how things are going to run down, giving you a couple uh, examples from Amonkhet. Uh, five stars. These are going to be your Windmill Slam Bombs, Glorybringer, Angel of Sanctions, Archfiend of Ifnir, to name a few from Amonkhet. Um, four or four and a half stars. These are going to be strong cards that pull you into a color or make you want to play that color. These are going to be like the top tier commons, good uncommons, good rares, uh, Magma Spray, Angler Drake, Stir the Sands, Gustwalker. As examples, uh, three and three and a half stars. These are solid playables, meat and potatoes of a limited deck. Your Naga Vitalist, Nefcrop Entangler, Cursed Minotaur, Unwavering Initiate. Two and two and a half stars. These are below average cards you'll be playing, but uh, probably, you know, your 22nd, 23rd cards that, that make your deck. Sparring Mummy, Lay Bear the Heart, Nimble Blade Kenra, and uh, Pouncing Cheetah, maybe. Uh, and uh, half star one, one and a half stars. These are going to be fringe playables, sometimes sideboard cards, generally bad cards. Uh, Slither Blade, Awasha Cultivator, Manglehorn, Blazing Volley, Painful Lesson. And, of course, no stars to the unplayables. 
as foretold, Dispossess, Shadow of the Grave, Harvest Season, and unfortunately, Embalmer's Tools. Um, in addition to those, we're going to have some sideboard and build-around cards, uh, cards that may have a grade, but only if you really you know, are bringing them in for the sideboard or you have to sort of build your deck around them, like a Drake Haven, Time to Reflect, Anointed Procession, cards that take a little bit more work to make good. Um, did I miss anything? No, I think, right. that, I think that covered it, other than that you said Embalmer's Tools was unplayable. Yeah, I know, it's very sad. It's very sad. Uh, maybe maybe with the, all the mill from Hour of Devastation, who knows? We'll find out. Um, do you want to run through the mechanics again for anyone who maybe didn't tune into our first episode? Yeah, uh, I'm just going to do a quick a quick review. If if you if you missed if you want missed want an in depth uh, rundown of these, check out check out the first episode. Um, Eternalize is very similar to Embalm. It comes with a, a mana cost, and it basically brings back a copy of your creature. Except the copy of the creature is always going to be four four power and toughness, and it's going to be a black zombie. Um, it'll be a token. And then uh, the other new one is Afflict. Um, it's a triggered ability on blocks. It says whenever this creature com- becomes blocked, defending player loses X life. So if Afflict is two and your creature becomes blocked, defending player loses two life. Um, and then Cycling is back and Exert is back with a little bit of a new twist. Sometimes they have uh, activated abilities now with Exert um, instead of just bonuses on attacking. Um, before we dive into the rares and mythics, we do have... Unfortunately, it's only episode two. We do have to make one addendum to a grade from a card in our first set review. Um, we uh, talked about this card, uh, Dunes of the Dead. It's an uncommon land desert. It adds a colorless to your mana pool, and it says when Dunes of the Dead is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Uh, I believe, we did we give this a zero? Or like a half or something? I think we probably gave it a zero. Yeah. We were wrong. Why, what did we miss, Ben? So the the interaction is uh, all the uncommon deserts uh, trigger, like they pay a colored mana cost. Like, for example, if near Deadlands says two black black, sacrifice a desert, put two minus one minus one counters on target creature and opponent controls. So Dunes of the Dead is in the set to help help fuel these uncommon lands. Um, so, for example, you might have Ifnir Deadlands and Dunes of the Dead in your deck, and then you would be sacrificing Dunes of the Dead to your Ifnir Deadlands to get two minus one minus one counters on an opposing creature and get yourself a 2-2 black zombie token. So a little bit of value there. Mm-hmm. So moves it certainly from the unplayable category, but how highly are you ranking this now? I, I still am not excited about this card at all. That seems a little bit cute to me. Mm-hmm. Um and putting a colorless land is a very real cost in your deck. There'll be times when you have this in your opening hand and it's going to cause you to have to mulligan because you need, you need colored sources. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'll maybe give it one star begrudgingly, yeah. even, yeah. even with that interaction, I'm still not very excited. about. I wonder card. if it even deserves a build around grade, like h- how many sacrifice deserts do you need before dunes of the dead become something you want like i still feel like it's then maybe it's like a sideboard two or something but yeah i'm pr- pretty low on this but uh did yeah you mean, you mean a, you mean a build around two yeah build around two i i could get behind that yeah i mean if if near deadlands and shafet dunes are really the only ones i'm moderately excited about playing i mean i'm excited about if near deadlands shafet dunes in the right deck the other three the red, the, the red, the blue, and the green, I'm not not crazy about, except in very, very specific decks. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. Um, cool. 
So shall we get into the grading of the rares and the mythics? Yeah, let's do it. Why don't you kick us off with our first white rare? Sweet. So our first white rare is Adorned Pouncer. This was one of the very earliest spoiled cards for the set. Um, it's one and a white for a 1-1 cat creature with double strike, and it has Eternalize 3 white white. So it's a 2-mana 1-1 double strike on the front side and a 5-mana 4-4 double strike on the back side. This card, so this card I think is very good. Um, a 2-mana 1-1 one, one double strike is like pretty unexciting. It's basically a 2-mana two 2-1. Two um, but a 2-mana two 2-1 two like is probably going to be able to maybe trade with something in this format, I think. Um, and the 5-mana 4-4 four, four double strike is just such an insanely rated card that's impossible to like tussle with in combat, really, um, that I think this card is very good. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, I agree. I think I think the front side's fine as a essentially a 2-mana two 2-1, two and I think the back side is insanely good once you eternalize it yeah and i think the, the front side also i mean the white decks typically in this format have wanted to play lots of combat tricks well, and the front point. side the, the double strike plays very well with combat combat tricks also yeah um so yeah i think all told both halves of this card are very relevant and the back half is pretty close to like a bomb yeah i gave it four but stars i gave it four and a half stars yeah, the, all the my my reluctance to giving it four and a half stars is that I don't. I mean, your point about the combat tricks maybe changes my my mind a little bit, but that a two mana one one double strike is still it's basically just a two mana two one. Um, so yeah, but but imagine if you imagine if you can manage to trade that off for a card. Like if you can if you can get a card out of your two mana two mana one one double striker and then you bring it back as a five mana four four double striker that's you got a two for one there first of all and yeah. then the second half the second half of your two for one is a threat that must be dealt with all right in a way that's probably not combat i'm adding a half a star just for you bud i mean i think it's close yeah i, I think it's, I, close. it's also kind of torn between four and a half stars yeah all right what's next this next one is insanely powerful it is angel of condemnation uh it's a creature an angel costs two white white for a three three flying vigilance it's got two activated abilities the first is two and a white tap exile another target creature return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step and the second ability is two white also tap exert angel of condemnation exile another target creature until angel of condemnation leaves the battlefield um so I think this card is a bomb. I saw it in play again at the loading loading ready run pre pre release. Oh nice! Um, and it just it just totally dominated the board. Mm -hmm. um, so let's start with four mana three three flying vigilance. That card by itself would probably already be like a four. That's a four, probably yeah. I think maybe a three and a half, probably a low four, like high three and a half. <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely a four. But uh, that definitely makes you want to play white, right? Yeah, I I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then it's got the two activated abilities. So two and a white exile another creature returned to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next step. That has a couple applications. One, you can exile your opponent's tokens, like maybe they're embalming things. And then it basically just says two and a white tap, kill an embalmed token or, uh, an eternalized token, which is very good in the format. Very relevant. Another thing it does is triggers your own enter the battlefield triggers. So imagine having this in play with like, um... I can't think of the name of it. Angler Drake. Oh. <laughs> I kept wanting to call it. I kept. I kept wanting to call it Miss Drake. Miss Drake. <laughs> imagine. Imagine. Imagine having. And I knew that wasn't right. Imagine having. I'm gonna have to up, 
up my my name game for the podcast <laughs> seriously um so yeah like you could bounce a creature every turn for two and a white um and then on the flip side when you exert it it just turns into like get rid of their creature until angel of condemnation leaves the battlefield so your own little build build an angel of sanctions yeah i mean and you also get to like so this has vigilance so you get to like attack with it or block with it and then use these abilities so you can even you know if nothing else then at the end of their turn you can exile one of their creatures and because you're doing it in their end step doesn't come back until the beginning of the next end step um so it'll like be gone for your attack step on your turn um this card just seems like unanswered it's going to win the game i agree completely i gave gave it five stars i gave it five stars i think this is the best rare in the set really yeah i think so wow yeah there are some pretty busted rares there's some pretty busted rares yeah not not including mythics but i think this is the best rare in the set um interesting yeah all right moving on we got uh jeru with eyes open it's a three white white for a four three legendary creature human warrior it has vigilance and it also says, when Jeru with eyes open enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a Planeswalker card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. If a source would deal damage to a Planeswalker you control, prevent one of that damage. So I'm looking forward to maybe playing with this in cube, but in regular limited, I'm not really that excited about this card. Like, it's most of that Planeswalker stuff is like flavor text, unless you're insanely lucky. So it's... Three white white for a four three vigilance, which is just like way under par. I think right, you way want out of your five drop. Yeah, I, and I don't even think it's worth like giving it a build around card or a, like a different grade or build around grade or a different grade for if you have a planeswalker. Just because like I, I don't know, I, I just don't care about that corner case very much. Like well, but I mean, if you if you do have a planeswalker, this goes way up in value, right? But like w- yes, but so it basically what what are the planeswalkers you have? So it's. It's miserable with, like, Nicol Bolas and Samet from this set, right? Um, great with Gideon. Great with Gideon, right? So this is just it's so lucky. You have to open this and then open Gideon in your one Amonkhet pack. I mean, I'm sure it's going to happen at some point in the format. It's going to happen at some point, yeah. it's, impor- it's important to know that that makes this card very good. Yes. You should obviously you should put it in your deck when you have a Gideon Planeswalker. Absolutely. Um, but other than that, I-, I gave this a grade of a one. Oh, interesting. Uh, I gave it a Gave it a two. I mean, I don't think it's like... It's not... I mean, a five minute four three is bad, but it's not like... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe one and a half is better. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not ever happy to have this in my deck. No, never. Uh, unless I have a Gideon Planeswalker. Yeah. So okay. maybe one and a half. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, what's next? Next up, we have the first of three Wraths in the format... <laughs> Which yeah, is that's just insane. The first of three rats in this set. There are also yeah. rats in uh, Amonkhet. Yeah, you are going to be getting raft all over the place in this format. Yeah, um, I have a feeling that's going to get kind of old. Yeah, after after a little bit. Yeah. Um. All right. So this is Hour of Revelation. It's a sorcery. It costs three white, white, white. So triple white. Uh, text is Hour of Revelation costs three less to cast if there are ten or more non-land permanents on the battlefield, and then it says destroy all non-land permanents. So my first question for you is, how often do you think there are going to be ten or more non-land permanents on the battlefield? Is that a common situation or I guess it's common. It, I guess it depends how often boards stall in the format, and 
it didn't I, I don't know I, I guess I, I didn't quite think about this b- before looking at this card like uh it didn't feel like the format or the board stalled that much in triple Amonkhet. and it does also feels like this set's gonna be a lot of like creature creature tussling and trading one for one um so I, I don't know I don't think often there are going to be 10 or more non-line permanents okay and then I, I I would probably agree with that maybe like I don't know 33% of the time, 25% yeah. of the time, something yeah. like that. Um, does that really change your evaluation of the card that much? Like, how much more excited are you by paying three mana less for your triple white casting cost requirement? I mean, it is a real consideration to be able to be like... Because the problem with these wraths, and especially wraths that cost six mana, is that your opponent has the first... You're going to tap out for this, and your opponent is going to be the first one to have the opportunity to add something new to the board because you've spent your mana on the Wrath. So it is kind of a cool thing to be able to go white, 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 kill everything, and then with whatever three or four mana, including whatever my other color is, I get to play a three drop or whatever. Um, so that that is not irrelevant. Um, but I just don't know how often it's going to come up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that's just kind of a little a little incidental bonus. But, yeah. I mean, you're, you're playing this for the, the destroy all non-land permits, right? Right. And then if, if I happen to be able to fire this off on a board stall. The other thing is, <clears throat> though, with, with the thing the whole thing about a board stall, I mean, I guess unless you're top decking it, but if it's in your hand, theoretically, you're like crafting a board state around where you're getting value out of this, which means you're adding less permanence than your opponent to the battlefield, which means I feel like it's less likely for there to end up being 10 or more on there, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, all that said, like, Wraths and Limited are very good. Yes, they are. So this card is quite good, like, costing three less or not aside. And it being white-white is tough, but, um, you know, you're casting this on six mana. You're casting this later in the game. So, like, you know, if you have ten planes in your deck, you're probably going to be able to fire this off. Um, not in ten, nine planes, I don't know. Um, I-, I gave this four and a half stars. I think it's great. I also gave this four and a half stars. Um, I have a feeling we may be slightly less excited about the next rare. It's uh, Oketra's Last Mercy. It's one white white for a sorcery. It says your life total becomes equal to your starting life total. Lands you control don't untap during your next untap stuff. So there's just like two sentences there that make me sad. Yes. (laughs) Uh, One of them would be only changing your life total. Uh Uh-huh. And the second being that lands you control. So all of the sentences on the card make you kind of sad. Even the flavor text. I just, I'm just like, and there's flavor text, which I don't care about. It's just awful. Uh, I gave this zero stars. I don't want to play this card ever. Uh, I gave it a sideboard half a star. Uh. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh. maybe there's a world where like you sided in an against uh, against an aggressive deck, but it, it's a really bad card, and you're probably gonna win more if you just never put it in your deck. I'm not, I'm, I'm putting my foot down. Putting your foot down. Zero stars. Zero I mean, stars. I, I don't I don't hate that. I, yeah. I could I could get on board and just tell the listeners zero stars. Don't put it in your deck. Yeah. Um, I'm sure someone will like be able to post something on Twitter of like uh, you know casting this and it's the reason they won the game or whatever, but. Oh boy! So quick, quick bad beat story. Do you oh. remember? Do you remember Providence from what set was that in? It made your starting life total like twenty. It made your life total go to twenty six or twenty seven or something like that. Oh yeah, if like you had it in your opener or something. Yeah, you well you gained like seven life if you had it in your opener, and then you could cast it. It was a seven drop, 
uh-huh. that made your life total go up to 27 or something. Yeah, I don't remember so, what set that's from, but yeah, I know that. I don't remember either, but at the pre-release for that set, I was playing against somebody that was just, like, not not the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, like, that's, that's going to happen at a pre-release. And so they were playing slow, and I was being a gentleman and not, like, trying to get them to play faster at all. So we ended up going to turns, and I had lethal in turns. Mm-hmm. And the turn before I was going to kill my opponent for lethal in extra turns, they cast Providence and went up to 27, and we drew. <laughs> That's awful. It was, yeah, it was a little rough. Um, so anyway, enough of that. <laughs> On to the next card, which is Solemnity? Yeah. Solemnity? Solemnity. You... Solemnity. All right, so I was right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> it's two and a white for an enchantment. It says players can't get counters. Counters can't be put on artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or lands. The only thing I can think of for an application of this card is how I thought of that. I think it's Vizier of Remedies, the one and a white 2-1 from Amonkhet that like reduced the number of counters that could be placed on your creatures by one. Um, and that card sometimes made my main deck, but also I was happy to have it in my sideboard to bring in against black decks because black decks had a lot of counters running around, and that seems to be still the case for this format. Now that had the upside of being a creature you could bring in to reduce counters, um, and this is a real cost of a card that doesn't do anything other than reduce counters. So I think you have to be playing against a pretty counter-heavy black deck to want to bring this in, unless I'm missing something else. Um, so I think of this mostly as just a sideboard, and at that I gave it a sideboard one. I, I gave it a, just a generic grade of a one. Are you mm. are you ever interested in trying to splash this card in your nuts black-green minus one minus one counter deck? Uh, that's an interesting... But but there those don't exist, right? There's not. Uh, yeah, because there's not stuff in. There's not stuff in our that has the like when it comes into play, put a counter on a creature you control. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, that's true. So this is probably just doing nothing. It's probably um, doing nothing, and I think I think you really only want to bring it in against like someone who's got so much counter stuff. Like, like a removal that's minus one, minus one counter yeah. base. I mean, if you, Splendid you, Agony. If you can blank, like, I don't know, if you see like three or four. Like, I don't know how many spells you need to see before you're like, this blanks enough cards in their deck that bringing it in is going to be good. But uh, it's still, I still think that's kind of low. Yep, yeah. I agree. So, yeah. so sideboard one for me. All right, sideboard one. I'm on, I'm on board with that. All right. All right, up next, we've got Crested Sunmare. Three yeah. white, white for a creature. It's a horse. Uh, it's a 5-5. Five, five. It says, other horses you control have indestructible. At the beginning of each end step, if you gained life this turn, create a 5-5 white horse creature token. What is this card doing here? I have no idea. I don't get it. So, like, what horses are there? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just the horses that it makes. Yeah, I assume. I, I didn't look closely enough at the spoiler. I didn't see a way. I thought about trying to filter for horses, but I'm not that savvy. Very weird. So it's a 5-mana five 5-5, five five, so it's Colossipede. Colossipede's pretty good. Colossipede's fine, yeah. Yeah. Um, This other text, like, I don't know how much life gain there is. There is that, uh, that 1-mana 0-4 that gains life when you cast a blue, black, or red spell. Yeah, um, there was the angel that gained you three life. There's the angel, right? Entering the battlefield. Just mono five drop dot, dot deck. Uh, there's also black cartouche. I mean, so there's like, there is life gain floating around, but mostly I think you want to evaluate this as a five mana five five. 
which I also think... of note this this doesn't even combo with Oketra's last mercy <laughs> because that just changes your starting life total you don't actually gain life up to 20 <laughs> that is worth noting yeah um yeah this is feels it's sad that this is a mythic because this does not seem that insanely good this is basically just open, opening colossipede well but i think if you open this and you pick it right you're going to try to pick up you're going to prioritize cards that are good that have incidental life gain on them. for sure absolutely agreed um, so i i ended up i was torn between like i don't think this is really a build around mm-hmm. i ended up settling on a grade of a four mm. with the assumption that you're going to try to have like three to four cards that incidentally gain you life in your deck. Right. You're probably going to get this at the latest halfway through pack two. Uh, so you still have a pack and a half to try and prioritize life gain stuff for it. Um, so I think, I think that's a fair assumption. Um, but I, I still just, I, I, I went three and a half, not four on this card. So we're, we're close. We're yeah. not that far away. No. Um, and, and just be aware that even though it's a flashy mythic, if you don't have, I would say a minimum of like three ways to gain life. Incidentally, yeah, this card's just not very good. Like it's yeah. not any better than Colossipede. Just think Colossipede. I think that'll really help you to like stop looking at that mythic rarity symbol and just be like, okay, right, it's just a five mana five five. Which is, but also then you don't need to like go so low on it. Be like, well, it's a mythic, and I don't, I'm not so excited about it, so it's bad. Like this card is just fine. And and I think also worth noting, like we saw in the green commons, that card for a single green that gained you four life, and then if a creature died, gained you eight mm-hmm. life. Um, let me look up the name of that. Since I'm trying to upgrade my name game here. <laughs> uh, that was Life Goes On. That's right. It had a sweet name. This Having this mythic rare does not give you an excuse to play a card like Life Goes On in your deck. Would you absolutely. agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, uh, last mythic, or second mythic. Overwhelming Splendor. Six white white for an enchantment or a curse. Ooh, baby. So excited about giant enchantments in this format. Uh, it says enchant player. Creatures enchanted player controls lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 1-1. One, one. An enchanted player can't activate lo- abilities that aren't mana abilities or loyalty abilities. So, unless you have a planeswalker... Basically just, they can't activate abilities unless they're mana abilities. Oh man, I want to like this card so much more than I do. Like, base, I loved, like, Cruel Reality and Sandworm Convergence, the, like, big, splashy, rares and mythic enchantments from Amonkhet. But this card is, I think, worse than those because it does, it, you still, at least when you dropped a sandworm convergence you're getting a 5-5 every turn right you could like play it on an empty board and still like have it take over the game this card you play it you still have to have like creatures to block their creatures which on when you have eight mana is not asking a lot but it's still a setup cost like you're not killing their creatures they still have a bunch of one ones i I don't know this this card is uh i want to basically be winning the game when i drop my eight mana enchantment and this doesn't quite do it for me what do you what do you think uh I think I'm a little bit higher on it than you are. Mm. Uh, I think it's I think it's better than Cruel Reality, right? Because the, the knock against Cruel Reality was that they had time to finish you off, right? Cruel Reality didn't immediately impact the board in that big of a way. You were going through their worst creatures yeah, one you, at a time. You did need to have, you, like, similarly, you needed to be able to, like, have the board sort of taken care of or, like, stalled a little bit so that Cruel Reality could have a few turns to work through their stuff. Yeah. 
I think this is in between those two cards. I, th I think it's better than Cruel Reality, assuming you can cast it and have a deck that ramps you to Overwhelming Splendor, but I think it's probably worse than Sandworm Convergence. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's certainly a powerful effect. Um, I, I gave it a build-around grade because I think like it might as well be like a green-white Yeah, that's card. a that's a really good point. That's a good point. Because you can't uh, just jam I, an 8-drop in a deck that doesn't ramp. Right. So I, I think... Like that that's how I graded it. And I think in that deck it's very powerful. So I, okay. I gave it a build I gave it a build around four and a half. I can get down with that. I can get down with it as a build around, like thinking of it as, as basically a green white card and also like you know, you're gonna take it early, so you're gonna like build a deck that wants the game to go long just like you would with a sandworm convergence type effect. Alright, I can get down with build around four and a half. I like that. Alright, that's that's white. Let's uh let's hop on over to blue. Alright, so onwards to blue, our first blue rare we've got here is Champion of Wits. Uh, it's a creature, costs 2 and a blue, for a 2-1 Naga Wizard, and says when Champion of Wits enters the battlefield, you may draw cards equal to its power. If you do, discard 2 cards. And then it's also got Eternalize 5 blue blue, so you exile it from your graveyard and it comes back as a 4-4 black zombie token. Um, so let's take a look at the front side. Two and a blue for a 2-1, and you get to loot twice, essentially, right? Draw two, discard two. Right. Um, sli slightly better than that, right? Because you get to see the two cards at the same mm -hmm. time. Yeah, It's not like two, sure. two separate instances of looting. So how do, you, how do you feel about that card? I don't know. I guess that card is like... That card, I feel like, is like a two and a half or a three. Like, a three mana two one is pretty bad. Like, it doesn't have any evasion or anything. Um... I like to be able to loot twice, but and better than loot twice, but we're not gaining any cards that way, so I'm still left with a 3-mana 2-1 at the end of the day. So, I don't know. I think it's fine. Yeah, I would rate that card like maybe a 2-stars or a 2.5-stars. Yeah. Um, and then at tacking on the ability to eternalize this for 7-mana, and then when that happens, you're getting a 4-4, four, four, right? So you're drawing 4 cards and discarding 2 cards. So if you manage to eternalize this for 7 mana, you're getting yourself a 4-4 four, four that draws you 2 cards. Yeah, 7 mana is so much for just a 4-4. Four, four. I agree, 7 mana is a lot. Um, I don't know, this card, both halves of these, even though you're drawing 4, discarding 2, both halves of these. this card seems uh, underpowered to me. I'm not crazy about it. Yeah, I think I think it, assuming you do get to seven mana, I think you're probably very happy at that point in the game to play a four four that draws you two cards. Yeah, like in in a green blue ramp deck, for example, like one of the problems I consistently found with that deck in Amonkhet was that sometimes you just ran out of gas, right? And this mm -hmm. helps keep you from running out of gas in that style of deck. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I was torn between a grade of a three and a half and a four because I'm not sure just looking at this card whether I think it's powerful. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure if it makes me want to play blue. Like, I don't think I'm first picking this card. Do you? I don't. I, I don't. I'm not even at three and a half with it. I think I just gave it a three. I, I don't think. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm. I just don't know how often you are actually going to get to eternalize this. Getting to seven mana is a lot, and once you're what you're doing with that seven mana is just making a four four. And I get that you're netting two cards slash like better than netted, netting two cards because you're like drawing four and discarding two so you're probably getting to like pitch a land that maybe was stuck in your hand but like how many lands are stuck in your hand when you get to seven mana i, I don't know i think there's there's just a lot for this and a three mana two one is pretty sad all right I, i'm gonna go with three and a half i think it, right. i think it's better than your 
random average like three star blue three drop yeah all right next up is fraying sanity it's two and a blue for an enchantment or a curse it enchants a player and it says at the beginning of each end step enchanted player puts the top x cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard where x is the number of cards put into that graveyard from anywhere this turn and this just like i am so excited about this card get out of here what are you talking what do you mean what are you excited about with this card Okay, let, let me let me start by saying this card is not good. No, but it's not. I am going to be first picking this card at some point and jamming a mill deck. Great. I I I think I will probably do the same. Um, but yeah, this card is bad. It's also just like as we were talking about before. There's so many cards in this set, so many rares in this set that feel really difficult to evaluate without seeing them in play. And this certainly feels like one of them. Like I don't know. Like I don't know how much nothing this does. Does it do stone nothing? <laughs> does it do like some amount of nothing? Can it do something? I have no idea. Like I, it's very hard for me to imagine. Like what and what kinds of cards? Like even non mill cards that you might play that might make this card pretty good. I, I I don't know. Like or can you bring it in against certain kinds of decks if if they're I don't know cycling a lot or like. Right, because it's just where whenever any cards go into their graveyard. So if they're cycling, they're you know discarding cards. So then this is gonna activate off of that. I, I don't know. It's very hard to know how much nothing this does. Right. Well, and it also triggers off like creatures dying, going to the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Like cards go into your graveyard. Yeah, they do over the course of the game. And then on top of that, if if you have mill synergy with it, like if you're a if you're a focused mill deck, this mills them out pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean all of your whatever the f- two mana mill five card is now milling 10 that's huge that's a, a third of their deck basically right compelling argument turns into turbo mill yeah like, yeah but what is it was it mind funeral it was mind funeral right oh One right blue yeah. black that did, milled 10 um so i i gave this a build around three and a half maybe four build around three and a half maybe four uh i don't i yeah i'm i just gave it half a star i'm i I I can't I can't tease our listeners with the with the build around grade. This card is atrocious. But I also gave it a zero if you're not actively trying to mill them out with your yeah. whole game plan. Okay. Yeah. That's so. That's, I mean, I think I, I think, I think that's we're the, saying this. We're saying the same thing with our grades, right? Yes, we are. We are definitely. All right. What's next? Uh, next up, we've got Hour of Eternity. This is a sorcery. Costs blue, blue, blue X x and it says exile x target creature cards from your graveyard for each card exiled this way create a token that's a copy of that card except it's a four four black zombie so this is uh has the ability to scale into the late game right so at five mana you're getting one four four black zombie at seven mana you're getting two at nine mana you're getting three so on and so forth Mm -hmm. probably not ever casting this for more than nine mana yeah all that being said like paying five mana for a four four is just not good right it's that i think it's fine it's not great. right it, it would be like a two yeah two somewhere around there yeah and then a, if at seven mana if you're getting two four fours that's probably pretty good yeah so like seven a, mana for two four fours is is pretty good like a three maybe yeah three three and a half maybe mm-hmm. uh and at nine mana you're really kind of doing it three four fours is no joke for one card yeah I think I think this costs just a little too much at yeah. each each instance for it to really for it to really get there. What do you think? The triple blue is rough, but like I think the fact that this scales and I I think I, I maybe am a little higher on seven mana for two four fours than you are. 
I don't know. I, th I think this this card is like just fine. I think it will make your deck most of the time if you're blue. I don't think you need to pick it very highly. Um, but if you if the triple blue is not a problem for you, I think you're playing this most of the time. Interesting. Yeah, I I, I gave it three stars. I gave it one and a half stars. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, five mana four four or seven mana for two four fours. I think that's that's just fine. Well, but you also have to have creature cards in your graveyard, right? It's not like it's conditional right. too. It's, it is conditional, but I don't know uh, how, how often. I don't. I guess I don't know how often we're gonna have one creature in our graveyard by turn five or six. But it feels like feels like cre like in a format where we're playing two drops, which I think we are. That those are gonna be tussling a little bit, and and I think you're gonna probably be able to have a creature in your graveyard if you want one. Uh, okay. By turn five. But I don't know. I, I could be wrong. So I, I, it shouldn't be. If I said, I'm going to revise my grade to two stars here. Because okay. if, if three mana XX is two stars, like if five mana for a four four is two stars, this mm -hmm. has to at least be two stars, right? I think so. I, 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 think, um, I think we're grading it assuming the triple blue is, uh, is fine. So assuming your, your deck is you know, 10 islands or whatever. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with two stars, maybe two and a half stars. Yeah. That's, I, think, I think that's right. I mean, maybe three is a little too high, but... Next up, we have Kefnet's Last Word. It's two blue-blue for a sorcery. It says, gain control of target artifact, creature, or enchantment. Lands you control don't untap during your next untap step. So the uh, control magic variant of the set. Uh, so four mana to grab something, artifact, creature, or enchantment. Almost certainly you will be grabbing uh, a creature, but uh, you know there are the Sandrum convergences of the world that you might want to grab. But then lands you control don't untap during your next untap step. Um, still very good, right? I mean, control magic is control magic is control magic. It's a two for one. It's very good. You get their best thing, you kill their best thing, and you get it. Right. So how how much does it bother you that your lands? I think we know control magic is good, right? Because it's a two for one. You're essentially killing their thing and getting it on your side of the battlefield, right? Yeah. That that's why control magic is good. So how much does lands you control don't untap during your next untap step bother you about this um, card? It bothers me uh, a decent amount. Um, I still think this makes me want. Like I feel, still think this makes me want to play blue. Like whereas like a control magic without downside would be like just a five. Like it's a fantastic or four and a half or a five. Um, the lands you control don't untap during your next step, untap step is a pretty big caveat, especially because this costs four. So like no matter what turn I play this on, like I don't know if I'll be playing this on turn four, but like with four mana, five mana, six mana, I probably can't do anything else with those two mana, you know? So it really is locking me down for two turns. Or if I'm doing something with that two mana, it's not very exciting. So this is probably locking me down for two turns. Yeah, but it's still very good. I still think I'm going to... If I have this card, it makes me want to play blue. I'm going to give this a grade of four stars. Uh, I'm a little higher on it than you. I gave it four and a half stars. And I think it's I think it's bordering on a five. I think. Oh, wow. So the, the, think, so the clause of untapped lands does not bother you? Well, I'm not thrilled about it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think... So if you look at it as like in one card, you're already getting the tempo bonus of gaining control of their thing right so it's gone and it's now on your side of the battlefield to attack or block uh during your next turn mm -hmm. so if you think about it as you're already getting the the built-in effect of a two for one with the one card you're gaining control of their thing and it's on your side of the battlefield and then that next turn where your lands don't untap like i'd be willing to pay like four mana twice like over 
two separate turns for that effect, I think that effect is that powerful. Like if this was contr- if this said control magic and then had like a cost on your upkeep of the next turn, you know, like some of the packs or something, like you had to pay two blue blue during your next turn, I would be willing to pay that for a control magic, and I think it would be well worth the effect of control magic. Yeah, and and this is better than control magic because it's not an enchantment. You just get the thing. Right. right. So I mean. They can still bounce it, but, you know, enchant removal doesn't mess with it. So, yeah, I, I gave it four and a half stars, almost bordering on five. Wow, great. Yeah, I mean, v- very good card. You, will, I will be first picking this and be very happy to do so. Yeah, up next we've got Nimble Obstructionist. Uh, it's a creature, a bird wizard, costs two and a blue for a three-one flash flying, and it's got an ability of cycling two and a blue, and it says when you cycle Nimble Obstructionist, counter target activated or triggered ability you don't control how often is that well so right, let's talk about the first half three man just it's stats three mana three one flash flying uh i think that's fine i'm not like i, I don't really care about the flash part that much that's more applicable and instructed and constructed right where you're maybe ambushing a planeswalker on their end step yeah. or something like that i think it's also um, important to be able to like you know, blue is going to have more instants than not, so I think it is important to be able to pass and have a variety of things to do with that mana. Um, but yeah, the flash is, is flashy, if you will. It's not really that important on this card. So I, I would say that's probably like a three stars. I think a three power flyer for three mana is pretty good. I mean, yeah, the one toughness is still a drawback, but three power flyer for three, that's I think that's better than three. I, I think that's like three and a half stars. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then is this cycling ability ever coming up? What what activated or triggered abilities are we trying to counter? Um, well, you're certainly not countering any Eldrazi triggers or anything like that. Which right. Is probably why this card was printed. Uh, yeah. And limited? I don't know. I, I no, don't, I you can't, can't tap my creature with Fanbearer. Right. That's what. <laughs> like that's what. Like, when I read this card, like that's what came to mind for me. Like, are you really doing it? No. Um, you could, um, you know, it's it's kind of cool to uh, stifle a. Now there's a, now there's activated abilities on exert, so they go to like exert their pinger, and you go, nope, that doesn't happen, and your thing doesn't untap next turn. Like, that's that's perhaps worth doing, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, it's better to have it on the card than not, right? Right. But I I don't think you're probably getting that much value out of that part of the card. Agreed. Yeah, so I think m- mostly just rating it as a 3-mana three 3-1 three flyer. Yeah, I gave it 3 stars. Yeah, I gave it 3.5 stars. Okay. Um, last rare is Swarm Intelligence. Uh, 6 and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. This is not what I'm looking to do when I tap out for my 7-mana rare quote-unquote bomb. This just doesn't, this does stone nothing the turn you cast it. And I don't know, like, how much, how many things do you need to cast before this is worth its its weight as a 7-drop? Like, I cast a Magma Spray, I get two Magma Sprays, you know? That's still not worth my tapping out for 7 mana the turn I play it. Uh, no. This card uh, I is, gave this. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think? I gave it zero stars. Yeah, I gave it zero stars. Great. Uh, I think, I mean... Sure, you can you can concoct scenarios where you have the nuts blue red spells deck, and you you can play this, and you can kind of go off. But my question to you is, if you're concocting that scenario, like how, you're already winning the game, right? Like, <laughs> right. if you've got the nuts blue red spells deck, you don't need to cast this seven drop enchantment to no. help you to help you lock up the game. Right. 
Um, all right, so on to the mythics. Uh, we have Unesh, Cryo Sphinx Sovereign. Costs four blue blue for a legendary creature, a Sphinx. He is a four four flyer. He says Sphinx Sphinx spells. It's kind of a tongue twister. <laughs> Sphinx spells you cast cost two less to cast. Whenever Unesh Cryo Sphinx Sovereign or another Sphinx enters the battlefield under your control, reveal the top four cards of your library. An opponent separates those cards into two piles. Put one pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. So let's start with four blue blue, four four flyer. How do you feel about that card? I feel just finely medium on that card. I would give that card like a three stars. I agree. Uh, probably also give that card around three stars. Now, let's say that card gives you a mini factor fiction for four cards when it comes into play. How do you feel about that card? I feel pretty good about that card. <laughs> like, mini factor fiction is very good. Right? We're looking at four cards. They separate them. We're probably getting two cards or the best of those four cards. So it like it just replaces itself immediately. It's very it's really, really good. Yeah, I think I think it's insanely good, right? Uh how how much how much relevancy do you think it has where Sphinx spells you cast cost two less to cast? What other Sphinxes are there? Well if I was a if I was a good podcast co host, I would have like done a little work and like filtered the sets by Sphinxes, but I did not do that. But I think it's like irrelevant. Like what what is there? There's the three blue blue embalmer from Amonkhet. that's a Sphinx. Isn't the uh, Curator of Mysteries also a Sphinx? Great, if you're another, insanely another, lucky. Another blue rare. I think that's a Sphinx, right? Yeah, I think it is. Um, but yeah, that, that's not going to come up. Is the, uh, ooh, let's see, is the uh, is that uncommon, a Sphinx? Ooh, yeah, it is. Ominous Sphinx. The Air Elemental, the mini Archfiend. Ooh. That's a Sphinx. So there are Sphinxes floating around. There are some um, Sphinxes floating around. And they're all very good. So if you're lucky enough to get insane blue bombs. Right. They can then... be cheaper. Yeah. Um, but this card I, on its own is just very good. Like six mana, four, four flyer plus factor, mini factor fiction, not even mini factor fiction, just one less factor fiction, uh, is, uh, is really good. Uh, I don't know. Four stars, four and a half stars. What do you think? Oh, I gave this five stars. Five stars. It's okay. Listen, so let's, let's compare this to <clears throat> Muldrifter, right? Four uh-huh. and a blue, two, two flying, draw two cards. Yeah. This is one mana more than that. Uh-huh. Uh, granted, you can't. Granted, you can't divination it. Yeah, like you can't uh, play it to draw two cards and sack it. Mm. Whatever that ability was called. What's that ability called? Uh, evoke. You can't yeah. evoke it. Um, man, I'm gonna have to step up my podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll start like a swear jar for you every time you. Yeah, seriously. Forget the names of it's, something. <laughs> it's gonna happen a lot. <laughs> I will owe lots of money. We'll be we'll be able to have a pizza party by the end of year one. A very, a pizza party for all the listeners. Um, okay, so it costs one mana more than that, and you're getting a four four flyer, and you're getting to choose between the best of four cards. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I mean I, I think it's very good. I, I'm giving it four and a half stars. Yeah, oh, I thought you said four stars. No, no. Okay. I mean, I, I did say, I was like, what is it? What is it? Four, four and a half stars. But yeah, I, th- I think it's four and a half. So we're, we're, we're just a half star off. We're still eating. We're, we're very happy to eat at this restaurant, everybody. We're going here yes. every week. I think this is a windmill slam ball. For sure. For sure. All right. So our first black rare is Amit Eternal. It's two and a black for a five, five zombie crocodile demon. Uh, it has a flicked three. So that means when it becomes blocked, the defending player loses three life. It says, whenever an opponent casts a spell, put a minus one, minus one counter on Amit Eternal. And whenever Amit Eternal deals combat damage to a player, remove all minus one, minus one counters from it. 
Okay, so I think this is one of the many rares in the set that is difficult to evaluate unless you see it in play, but let's try and talk about like some common scenarios that might come up. So a three mana five five, if you're lucky enough to, to curve out with this played on turn three, that's huge, right? You pass the turn to your opponent, they're either on turn three or turn four, they're probably gonna play a spell, that shrinks this down to a four four. Then on your turn, you attack with a four four, and they're either chumping it, which means they're gonna still take three damage because of the afflict three, or it's getting in for four and it goes back up to being a five five. So in that scenario, it's really hard unless they have hard removal to imagine this card not just running away with the game. Um, in late game scenario, it's a little less dicey if the board is stalled, if they're able to play two spells, then this really is just like a three mana three three. But even in that scenario, like unless it's just being uh, blocked by a creature that outclasses it, it still is getting in for three damage, which in a late game, depending on how low your opponent's life total is, might end up being just relevant enough on its own. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I, I'm pretty excited about this card. It seems really, really good. Yeah, I think I think the the upside, like when you play this on turn three or turn four, and it's a huge threat, uh, pushes it over the top, right? I mean, you can you can concoct scenarios where it's certainly not going to do very much. Uh huh. But but you could also say the same thing about like a three mana two three or a three mana three two that you draw, like you know, late in the game. So I right. don't think. I don't think that's that much of a knock against this card. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very real for sure, but I think I think the how insane this card if you cast it on turn three or turn four, and your maybe your opponent's like missing spells, like maybe they're stuck on lands or something. This closes out the game super quickly. I mean, you're probably winning anyway if they're they're stuck on lands. But assuming they're playing one spell a turn, if you cast this on turn three, I think it's going to be punishing your opponent pretty hard right yeah i mean th- this the times when you or your opponent plays this on the pl- on the play on turn three i just like i think that is going to be such an upsetting thing to see just like third land i'm at eternal and i'm like well i played my gust walker it's like who cares yeah. right so so this is kind of similar to right, let's let's talk about this compared to plague belcher right the two and a black mm-hmm. five four that put two minus one minus one counters yeah how 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 bad was it when you know your opponent had the uh i'm already putting more money in this world <laughs> the, the one in a black doomed one, one that to center died. thank you doomed to center all right dollar in the swear jar yeah how 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 much better or worse than plague belcher in that specific scenario do you think Amon eternal is on turn three i think i'm gonna turn so Tough to know. I think Ahmed Eternal is a little worse than that on turn three, just because Play Belcher is just a five mana, five, four menace that has no ability to be like shrunk or whatever. Um, but the fact that Ahmed Eternal doesn't need any setup cost like Plague Belcher does, um, I think makes it better than that. Like in the exact scenario where you're getting Plague Belcher as a five, four, I think it might be slightly better, but Ahmed Eternal just comes in as a five, five on its own. doesn't need any help. All right. All that, all that being said, how many stars did you give this? I think it was a really tough to grade. I think really tough to grade. I give it four stars. I give it four and a half stars. Uh, I think the power level can vary drastically, but I think more of the time it's going to be really, really good. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. All right, moving on. Moving on. We've got Apocalypse Demon. Four black black for a creature. It's a demon. Its power and toughness are star star. It says flying. Apocalypse Demon's power and toughness are equal to the number of cards in your graveyard. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, tap Apocalypse Demon unless you sacrifice another creature. This card fluctuates wildly in how how high its power and toughness are, right? 
you have two cards in your graveyard, it's a 2-2. If you have 10 cards in your graveyard, it's a 10-10 flyer. I'd be pretty excited about paying six mana for a 10-10 flyer, uh, even if I had to sack a creature every turn. I would not be very excited about paying six mana for a 2-2 flyer. I think this is close to a build around, but not, not, not really. Uh, this is another one I think that... It's pretty hard to grade. I think and it. Then... I think it. It is a build around, because I think okay. if it's. I think if it's not, it's pretty bad. I think if you're not playing this in a like a cycling deck, or I, I don't know if there's not really a self mill deck. So I think you're basically just playing this in a cycling deck. I think this card is near unplayable because if you're not actively trying to get stuff in your graveyard, I don't know what you're doing. Like, how big can you expect this to be on turn six? Like, I don't um, think you can expect it to be huge. No, and I, I don't know how. I, I feel like I can expect if I'm not trying stuff, not, not trying to actively get stuff in my graveyard, that when I play this for six mana, that it's going to be like a 3-3, three, three, and then it has downside. Right. Um. So, I, I don't know. I, th- I I think it's a build-around. The tough thing is, not only is it a build-around for the first half, but it's a build-around for the... Like, you also have stuff for the second half, right? Not only do you need to have it be big when you play it, right, so you want to be cycling stuff into your graveyard, but then you also need to have other creatures on board that you're fine sacrificing. Right, you want to have your doomed dissenters and whatnot. Oh, look at you, you're so, we're all so impressed, Ben, you remember Yeah, did you see me, did you see me slide that name right in? Yeah, that's very subtle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I don't know, I think it's, and again, we're going to keep saying this, it's really hard to grade, not sure what to think about this. I I think it's a build-around, but I think even at that, it's like a build-around three-and-a-half, yeah, I just kind of copped out and gave it a three. I didn't give it a build around. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think even like I think the fact that you have to you have to have things go right for both halves of the card for it to really be powerful. Yeah. Just makes it just makes it not that good in the long run because like if you put it in your like if you put it in your blue black cycling deck that has like you know four to five creatures that you're fine sacrificing. Are you really doing it? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes you're not going to draw the creatures that you want to sacrifice. Sometimes you're not going to have cycled enough cards. You have to have both halves of the card go right. Yes. Before it really does something. Yeah. And even then, it's just a generic flyer. It's not like it's flying trample or... But in uh, in theory, either it's like hitting in for five a turn or they're chumping with their flyers. So like you're trading your sacrificed fodder for their flying chump blockers. Because like... you know, in a builder in a build around scenario, this is going to be a pretty big thing. And by turn six, hopefully, this only has to connect a couple times before you're winning the game. Right. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I think I don't know. I don't know how good this could be. But yeah, I'm going to go build around three and a half. Um, all right. Next up, we've got uh oh, another wrath. Uh, this is Bantu's last reckoning. It's one black black for a sorcery. Just straight up destroy all creatures. Lands you control don't untap during your next untap step. It's really good. Uh, I think much like the Wrath in white, when we were talking about it's like alternate cost when there are 10 or more permanents on our 10 or more non-land permanents on the battlefield, the fact that it can cost three and then you have something else to do with the rest of your mana. Bantu's Last Re- Reckoning has that caveat too. So like, you know, you're not playing this on turn three. And if you are... Uh, I don't know what sort of start your opponent had to warrant that. Like, maybe they go one drop, two drop, and you're just like, all right, fine, I'll just fire this off on three and take my two for one. But other times I feel like, you know, you're casting this later on in the game, wiping the board, and then being able to play something with the rest of your mana. And then, sure, you don't untap during the next untap step, but you've committed something to the board first post-wrath, which is really huge. 
Um, right. I think tacking on the fact that you get to know that you have this in your hand, so you get to sort of sculpt the game around it, theoretically, like by not overcommitting stuff and getting your value that way. I think this all just adds up to a very, very good card. I don't know. What do you think? I, I agree. Uh, I think if this didn't have the lands you control don't untap during your next untap step, I think this would be a five. I think with... Yeah, I mean, a th- three mana wrath would be... I mean, we've n- never seen such a thing before. Right. So I think with that downside, I think it knocks it down to a four and a half, but mm-hmm. I still think this is a really powerful card, right? Because sometimes the downside of your six mana wrath or your five mana wrath is if you're facing a really aggressive deck and you miss a land drop or two, sometimes you just don't even get to cast your wrath. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I gave it four and a half stars. Okay. Cool. Next, we've got Dream Stealer. For uh, it's a creature, a human wizard, costs two and a black, for a one-two. So let's pause there and look <laughs> at that. We're expecting something else on this card, right? Yeah, three mana one-two. No, I'm yeah. fine. I'm fine with that. I would love to jam three mana one-twos into my deck. Okay, now let me add on Menace. How do you feel about a three mana one-two Menace? <laughs> Atrocious, because so I mean, yeah, they need two things to block it, but then once they do, this thing is just dying. All right, so we'll get we'll get to the rest of the card because okay. this card is sweet. Okay. Uh, three mana, one two menace. Whenever Dream Stealer deals combat damage to a player, that player discards that many cards. Let's pause there. Uh, actually, let's not pause. We'll just go through <laughs> the card and then we'll split it up. Okay. So eternalize four black black. Um, so once this creature dies, you can eternalize it for six mana for black black, and you get a four four black zombie human um, that says when it deals damage, they discard four cards because it's going to have for power pretty sweet right i guess I, I, again i don't know how to evaluate this but i'm a little skeptical of all of this card i, I, I want to hear your thoughts first okay i i'm i'm pretty excited about this card i love making my opponent discard cards <laughs> um so this is like the opposite of scroll thief right? right um it's two and a black one two but it's got menace so it's already harder to block right right so they have so, to have two blockers to be able to stop it. So if they just have one creature, you're sliding by easy peasy and they're discarding a card. Right, which is which is very good. If you mm-hmm. connect once with this, you're doing it. Right. And then it's also got the upside of after it dies, it's got eternalized for black black. Um, now at that point in the game, if they've got four cards in hand, you're probably in trouble. So you're probably not actually making them discard four cards. Might be more like one or two and maybe their lands at that point in the game. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning of the game, I think the ability is powerful enough, and the fact that it has this has menace is that it's just it's just a game warping card, right? So when you when you jam this on turn three, your opponent is almost obligated unless they have the most aggressive of starts. They're almost obligated to leave two creatures back to plan to block this, right? Yes. And then and then knowing that it has menace, this plays super well with combat tricks and removal but i think the ability is powerful enough that this is going to be a game warping card when you jam this on turn three um and even even later in the game they have to they have to respect it if they've got cards they care about in their hand but but only if they have cards exclusively cards they care about in their hand right because they get to choose the card they discard right so if they've got extra land so late game it's not as good so probably only really doing a lot of work when you curve out with it yeah, and even I don't know. Even then, your your point about it, I feel like it's the, the the more relevant thing is that they get to that it's sort of like it makes their attacks pretty awkward. That like they sort of have to leave two creatures back, or maybe do they have to leave three creatures back because they're afraid you have a removal spell for one of them? Um, 
But that scenario is, that's a lot for them to do. Whereas I feel like if I'm the opponent facing this down, I'll just be like, all right, well, what's the, I'll just attack with my two creatures and then I'll just discard a land or I'll discard this other card. I don't know. I guess that's a, that is a real cost, but depending on how much uh, I can be beating down, uh, I think that I'm not going to, I'm going to just choose to race this card because it's so understated uh, rather than worry so much about preserving a couple cards in my hand i don't know but it's again really hard i feel like the first time i face this down on turn on turn three is when i will know or when i play it on turn three is when i will know uh how good it is i think if you're playing a game of amonkhet hour of devastation limited and your opponent plays this on turn three you're going to be cussing in your head all right that's what i think uh so I, i gave it a grade of four stars might be a little high but i for right now i'm really excited to I'm really excited to play this card and try it out, and it, it makes me want to be black. Could could be possible it settles more around a three or three and a half stars. Yeah, I I, I went I went under a little bit. I'm, I'm a little I'm more skeptical, conservative of this card. I'm going two and a half stars. Wow. Yeah. All right, we got a big gap. We'll have we to check a, back in on that one. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see see this one. I I hope it is good, just because I think it's very interesting. Um, but I'm I'm reserving my just judgment. All right, so this is the. Uh, these cycle of our cards. This is the hour of glory. It's a three and a black for an instant. It says exile target creature. If that creature was a god, its controller reveals his or her hand and exiles all cards from it with the same name as that creature. So like oftentimes what's going to happen is you're going to exile their Ronus, the indomitable, and then they're going to reveal their hand and show you they have two more Ronuses and you're going to get those also, right? That's going to happen. Yeah. All yeah. the time. <laughs> no, this basically just says three and a black instant exile target creature. The rest of the text is not relevant for limited. Um, probably not even that relevant for constructing. <laughs> yeah, probably not. So four mana instant exile a creature. Really good. Uh, yeah, it's really good. It's one. So essentially, it's one mana cheaper than final reward, right? Yes. Um. So final reward. Where Where do you think final reward ended up settling grade wise at the end of Amonkhet? Uh, three and a half. Okay, so how how excited are you about one mana cheaper on final reward? Do you think that pushes it to a four? Mm, do I think it pushes it to a four? Um, I guess so. And in, in, in black, we have the sorcery speed, unconditional removal at common that just requires you to put a counter on a creature you control, uh, but that doesn't exile it. And there are embalmers and eternalizers running around, so the exile is, is relevant there and then we've which also is named which is named lethal sting by the way all right you just looked that up i'm not there's just <laughs> no i totally did no way you I totally did that. <laughs> all right all right smarty pants and then there's the two black black instant put three minus one minus one counters which i think i i ended up grading a little higher than the sorcery speed one i think that card's good but again you know so we've got two common black removal spells that essentially kill creatures um, but don't exile. So I don't know. This probably doesn't push push it into the four star range. I think it's probably still three and a half stars. Uh, I I gave it four stars. It's really close. I was torn between three and a half and four stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's that's very very close, and it'll be interesting to see to see where it ends up. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's I think it's important to note that despite I think people and maybe myself included when I gave it four stars I, I think I'm gonna revise to three and a half. Yeah. I think I think people are more likely to overrate the card because it's because a rare. it's a rare. Yeah, right. I totally agree. Um. So yeah. And those comments, lethal sting and torment of venom is three minus one minus one counters. Yeah. I, I, the reason I was recapping it was I was trying to think. Okay. Well, 
because final reward is only in one pack, we're going to see it a lot less. So like, what is the common removal in black that this is comparing to? Well, um, I think the common removal in black is good, right? Yes, I agree. Um, so that, that also is a knock on this card because it's not as premium, right? right? So if you've got the option to see Lethal Sting, Torment of Venom, and Final Reward, like Hour of Glory is not as much of a commodity, despite the fact that it's rare. Like you remember uh, what in Theros, Hero's Downfall was the like one black black destroy target creature or Planeswalker. I mean, there just like wasn't unconditional removal at common in that format, I don't think. Uh, so like Hero's Downfall was just such a huge pickup because of the text on the card. Whereas this, I feel like there is better removal in this set at common. Yep. yep. All right, moving on. What, what do we got next? Next, we have Torment of Hailfire. This is a sorcery. It costs black, black, X. And it says, repeat the following process X times. Each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices a non-land permanent or discards a card. So let's, let's start by assigning some random number to X and... Like taking a look at the card. Let's make so it let's like say, three or four, right? This is our this is our finisher, our rare finisher, yeah. Okay, let's let's say four. Okay, like you cast this card for six mana. So four times your opponent has to lose three life, sacrifice a non-land permanent, or discard a card. Let's assume they've got at least one land in hand. Let's say they've got one land in hand. They don't care about. Okay. Um, they're holding a land, so they pitch a land that that does nothing. You're mm-hmm. down to X's three. Let's say they've got. An extra land on the battlefield, which I think is probably... No, not non-land permanent, buddy. Oh, non-land permanent. Woo. They don't have an extra land on the battlefield. Yeah. All right. They've got a derpy creature like... I already forgot its name. Oh. Doom to center. Doom to center. <laughs> I got there. All right. They've got a derpy creature like Doom to center. They sacrifice it. That's uh-huh. bad for you. Uh, sure. And you're down to X equals two. So, and let's say they're at 10 life. They take three, go to seven, and maybe you get their worst card on the battlefield then their next worst creature I, I i just think this card like the fact that your opponent has three things to choose between the losing life sacking an online permanent or discarding a card and they get to choose every single time makes this virtually unplayable i think this card's bad and i think you should never put it in your deck yeah are there decks that you're so let's say you're not main decking this are there decks okay. that you're looking to bring this in against so like yeah, are there decks you're looking to bring this in against, and what kinds of things are you looking for if you are? Man, not not really. Maybe maybe like a super dirtily control deck, and and I active I actively want to be putting pressure on their life total. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe if I'm an aggressive deck and my opponent is a super dirtily control deck to where they're not going to have like non land permanents on the battlefield that they don't care about, like they've got really high card quality, but their deck's kind of slower. Yeah, maybe then. I think you, I, I think you can bring this in against like a blue red spells deck, maybe because they're probably not going to have a lot of non land permanents out, um, and the cards in their hand are probably somewhat relevant. Um, and I also think against like a green fatties deck, this isn't the worst because you're probably not getting a lot of derpy creatures if they're going to sacrifice it. Um, but you still have to have put some amount of pressure on them before this so that the three life loss thing is kind of a cost for them um but all of that said your, your point about like whenever your opponent gets to choose what they want to do with a card it's always worse for you and they have three choices for every instance of this it's just uh really tough to craft a state where this card is gonna do something that like just a generic creature couldn't do or like a spell that actually affected the board could do yeah i i gave this zero stars 
I, th- I don't think it's unplayable, but I am I have no idea how not unplayable it is. So I gave it one and a half stars. I think I think I, I'm leaving this in the sideboard and thinking about the times when I can bring it in. But but the, okay, so the reason I I think there's probably also a scenario where you might want to cite it in, but I think for whatever reason people always try to find a way to make cards like this good like they're yes. excited like because they read all those things they see lose three life sacking non-land permanence discarding cards well, i mm-hmm. love i would love for my opponent to do all those things right so they they either they overevaluate this card and they think it's better than it is or even if they know what we know when your opponent gets to choose it's it's way worse than you think it is mm-hmm. people still are drawn to this type of card for some reason if i'm paying six mana for this like like i would just rather have the stupid uh the black common there is no black common six drop uh <laughs> you know the like one no up. you can no gonna, come on you remember its name what is gonna, it ben i was gonna pull up the old spoiler there real quick and <laughs> plop that name down but i got owned it's super hard uh, anyway so let's say uh, i'm like totally train wrecked now <laughs> just got destroyed by the spoilers letting me down um you play a six drop like i would rather have the six drop green common that's like the five six trample hippo yeah whatever it's called the rampaging hippo hippo on the loose yes it's called loose hippo rampaging hippo i got there without (laughs) even looking it up all right um so yeah i would rather have that than casting torment of hailfire on six i i'm i i think if you don't put this card in your deck you're gonna win more than when you do put this card in your deck yeah even even if you're citing it inappropriately it's so situational and things in the game state have to go right yes like, based on what you thought your opponent's deck was and what your deck was mm-hmm. in the next game yeah yeah i, I will i will cast I, th- I feel like i might end up casting this more than zero times but i'm not sure that that will be true um, okay on to the mythics yeah the or mythic right just the one um Razaketh the foul-blooded this is five i like, I like the r role yeah, yeah well i just wanted to give a little flair for the listeners uh this is five black 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 that's eight mana for an eight eight it's a legendary creature demon flying trample and you can pay two life sacrifice another creature to search your library for a card and put it into your hand then shuffle your library eight mana eight eight flying trample pay two life sack a thing to demonic tutor that's very powerful. It is very powerful. It's also very expensive. Very expensive. <laughs> yeah. You drop that down, they just go, okay, compulsory rest. Or, you know, whatever. They have, they have some some hard removal for it. I don't know. Uh, but it, but unanswered, this card just wins you the game very quickly. Yes, I agree. Uh, I think this is similar to our white 8-drop enchantment mm-hmm. and sandworm convergence and all those other things. I think this deserves a build-around grade, because I don't think at 8-mana you can just jam this into any deck. Yeah. Um, so I think you want to be ramping towards it actively, mm-hmm. like either in black-green or with like the 3-drop common artifact spell that tapped to add a color of any mana to your mana Manalith. Pool. I didn't even cheat. Manalith. Dang, I'm so impressed with you. <laughs> uh... Yeah, um, so I, I think this is a build-around, and I think it's a build-around four. I think it's a build-around four, yeah, I agree. Maybe, maybe even build-around build, build around four and a half. Like, this, this card is, like, again, it's what I want out of an 8-drop. If I'm playing this on turn 8, I want to play, be playing something that's like, do you have an answer for this? If not, you're going to lose. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if they do... If they I mean, do, you've sunk, If they do, you've... you're still probably able to sacrifice another creature and get the second best card out of your deck. Right. Or the best card out of your deck, if mm-hmm. this isn't 
So, I mean, if you're casting this, you're probably winning the game most of the time, I think, unless you're super far behind. Yeah. And and as an 8-8 flying triple, it's just a good blocker too, right? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's just stone... Theoretically, it stonewalls everything the turn that you play it, and then it's cracking down for a ton of damage. It can't even be chump blocked because it has trample. Like, yeah, I think this card's very, very good. Okay. All right, we are moving on to red... Our first red rare is Chaos Maw. It's five red red for a 6-6 six, six Hellion, or, yeah, Hellion creature. It says, when Chaos Maw enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to each other creature. Gee, how many rats are going to be in this format? Man, it's... <laughs> there are a lot. It's just so many. Um, so this is not like an... Uh, I mean, it's just like it's a 6-6 six, six with uh, Sweltering Suns attached to it. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. I think, like, yeah, seven mana is a lot, and you, you again, as what we've been saying about seven and eight drops, like, you can't really just if, expect to be able to cast them without some sort of ramp, uh, and also a deck that supports you getting to seven mana, aside from by casting it, but also by, like, allowing you to survive that long uh, to cast it. But that, all that said, this card is very, very good. It's going to come down, it's a big body, and it's going to wipe away a lot of their little critters. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very good, and I think it helps stabilize the board when you cast it, and it can get you out of some situations that not a lot of other seven drops can. I yeah. gave it four and a half stars. Yeah, I think four and a half stars. I think I think it being a seven drop and not an eight drop sort of knocks it down from needing that build around grade. Yep. All right. Next up, what do we got? Next up, Earthshaker Kenra, one and a red for a creature. It's a Jackal Warrior. It's a two one, uh, and it's got haste. It says when Earthshaker Kenra enters the battlefield target creature with power less than or equal to Earthshaker Kenner's power can't block this turn. Then it also has Eternalize for red red so after paying 6 mana it comes back as a 4-4 four, four, and will make something power 4, 4 or less unable to block. So let's start with the front half of the card. 1 red, 2 1 haste something power 2 or less can't block this turn. How do you feel about that card? I feel pretty good. I mean I think in in this uh, format, and also in, in red decks, or what I'm assuming this format will be, a two-mana, two-power haste creature is going to be pretty good. I think I'm... I mean, I'm not like... It doesn't make me want to play red, but I'm going to play it in all of my red decks. Yeah, I agree. And then t- about tacking on the fact that you can bring it back after it dies as a 4-4 four, four haster. That's for six mana. really good. Uh, it's like... it's it's What's cool about this card is that it's... If you think about it in the curve-out scenario, it's like a really nice hasty little critter early in the game and then it's like also then a finisher for your deck because it comes in as a 4-4 makes something not be able to block like it's it's like build your own on crop crasher or whatever uh and so like whatever other creatures you've accumulated it's like gonna just add to that in terms of power and toughness and then also make combat kind of miserable for your opponent yeah how many stars did you give it uh i still all of that said i i I did still just give it three and a half stars because i don't think it quite pushes me into wanting to play red but I, I also I, gave it the same green, yeah. three and a half stars. Um, all right, next up is Hazaret's Undying Fury, four red red for a sorcery. So much text. Okay, shuffle your library, then exile the top four cards. You may cast any number of non-land cards with converted mana cost five or less from among them without paying their mana costs. Lands you control don't untap during your next untap step. Uh, I mean, I have no idea how this card is going to play out, but I think poorly. I think it's not very good. So it's, you're tapping, it's like your six mana card, right? So like something that you want late game that's going to really affect the board. You're randomly looking at four cards, not that many cards. 
You can cast any number of non-land cards from them with converted mana cost 5 or less. So, assuming you've got your like 23-17 split, you're probably flipping 2 non-land cards on average. Uh, so 2 of them, if they cost less than 5, you get to cast them. But like, are they good? Are they relevant for this the time in the game that you're casting this spell? And then also, all of that, you then don't get to do anything next turn. Yeah, I think this card is... Not good. I, th- I gave it zero stars. I did too. I, I think, think this card is unplayable. Yeah. I think the fact that it's random and you're relying on the top of your deck and you don't even know if you're going to hit. I think even if you build your deck with everything converted mana cost five or less other than Hazard's Undying Fury, that leaves mm-hmm. you with theoretically like 22 or 23 hits. Uh, but you're going to have cast some of those cards. So a ratio of about like three to two spells versus lands. And then like you don't even know which ones you're going to hit. I, I just think... There's too much randomness for this card to be worth six mana. I think it's I think it's zero stars. Yeah, I agree. All right, up next we've got Hour of Devastation, our third slash kind of fourth if you count Chaos Maul as a Wrath. Yeah, I mean, set. I would count Sweltering Suns as a Wrath. So yeah, I'm all gonna, right. I'm going to count that as tacked onto a creature. Okay, so Hour of Devastation is a sorcery. Costs three red red. All creatures lose indestructible until end of turn. Hour of Devastation deals 5 damage to each creature and each non-Bolus Planeswalker. So we can forget about the non-Bolus Planeswalker part. Probably irrelevant. Mm -hmm. 5 mana, deal 5 to everything. Uh, That card's great, right? Yeah. Shockingly, I'm going to grade another Wrath as 4.5 stars. Uh, I also give it 4.5 stars for all the other reasons we discussed. Can can we talk about a big fail? Like, How is Hour of Devastation not a mythic rare in the set Hour of (laughs) Devastation? Yeah, that's that seems a little loose on the. I just design. don't get it. I was like, "What? It's just a rare. This is all it does. The hour of devastation is five damage to everything. It's like not the most devastating hour I can imagine in Magic." Um, all right. Anyway, next up is Imminent Doom. It's two and a red for an enchantment, uh, or as we're gonna call it, this is blue as foretold or red as foretold rather. Uh, it's Imminent Doom enters the battlefield with a Doom counter on it. Whenever you cast a spell with converted mana cost equal to the number of Doom counters on Imminent Doom. (laughs) Imminent Doom deals that much damage to target creature or player, then put a Doom counter on Imminent Doom. What is that? The Doom is like six times on that card? Yeah, a lot. Doom, Doom, Doomy, Doom, Doom, Doom. Um, This card is atrocious, right? How is this card ever going to be good? So you play, it's it's a three mana enchantment so it does nothing when you play it comes in with a doom counter on it then when you cast a one drop which is not going to be very often unless you've got like some one mana combat tricks or one mana removal because you're not really playing one mana creatures that much then you get to deal a damage to something and then it goes up to two counters and then when you play a two drop you get to deal two damage to something and then you get to put another counter and so that three drop and so on but like that's so so much to ask Yep, it's just not good. Uh, You should never put this card in your deck. Zero stars. Great. Moving on. What do we got? All right. Next, we've got Wildfire Eternal. It's a creature, zombie jackal cleric. Costs three and a red for a one four. It has afflict four. So that's a hefty afflict cost. When it becomes blocked, they lose four life. And it says, whenever Wildfire Eternal attacks and is not blocked, you may cast an instant or sorcery card from your hand without paying its mana cost. So, uh... This is the kind of card I like Afflict on, right? Because they're they're incentivized to block it. Um, because if you if they don't block it, you get a cast an instant or a sorcery for free from your hand. Uh, and if they do block it, they're losing four life. 
Um, so four mana for a one four, way understated, right? We're not excited about that right. at all. Um, that being said, a, like if you put this in your blue red spells deck and you've got some serious serious blue or red spells to cast for free, um, and your opponent's not blocking this, you could do some disgusting stuff. The problem is, like, later in the game, they're probably just going to have a creature that's big enough to eat this, so they'll probably just block it and take their four and move on with their lives, but before you get to that late point in the game, if they don't have something on the battlefield that's large enough to eat this, you, you could do some work getting instant or sorceries out of your hand for free. Oh, see, I don't think your opponent's, like, ever blocking this, because... If they do block it, like, I don't know, the, the, yeah, maybe there's the one time, if it, if it's attacking, if it's never attacked before, and it can attack and get blocked, and they take four. But four is so much, I would rather let this get in a few times than take the four, because I don't think it's really getting in, it might get in a total of four times, you know? like Well, so it's, it's that's what I was thinking about when I was evaluating. It's almost four mana, one four unblockable. Yeah, that that that's true. But it's not, but it's not truly unblockable. But mm-hmm. if they don't block it, I mean, and you've got real spells in your deck, you could you could really punish them. So how much better or worse is this than Champion of Ronus? Right? The like three three and a green, three three that when it exerted, you got to put a creature down for free? I think this is worse than Champion of Ronus. It's worse than Champion of Ronus by by a, a, a significant margin? By a small margin? I think by a small margin. Like if if Champion of Ronus was a I don't know, three and a half stars probably at the end of Amonkhet. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. This is this this is, seems. Uh, yeah, if you get a free, so you get a free spell off of it, but it's like yeah, free in terms of its cost. You get to play that spell and then also use your mana efficiently that turn. Like then I sort of then you're kind of doing it. Like you don't need much more out of this card because it's already sort of done its job. Like you only only really need to do it once and then also do something with that mana to feel like you've gotten this card's value. Plus a three mana one four pseudo unblockable. I don't know. Again, t- tough to evaluate. I gave it. I gave it two and a half stars. Yeah, I gave it two stars. I think I'm, I'm not. I think I think too much has to be crafted for this not to just be a three mana one four that like maybe gets in a few points of damage. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We have one mythic. Neheb is back as just a red creature. Neheb the Eternal for three red red is a 4-6 zombie minotaur warrior. Neheb the Eternal has afflict three, and it also says at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, add red to your mana pool for each one life your opponent have lost this turn. I think we're mostly evaluating this as a five mana 4-6 afflict three, because, yeah, maybe they're like losing some life and you get to... uh, have ramp or additional mana on a turn but once you've once you're at five mana six mana like you don't i feel like the extra mana is is not super relevant but it will come up so i think mostly it's just a five mana four six afflict three which seems pretty good to me yeah i mean it's a it's fine stats for five mana Mm -hmm. and afflict three means your opponent gets punished if they're blocking it Mm -hmm. um i think this card for it to really be doing everything it can do, I think you want to put it in a deck that's got a lot of mana sinks. Yeah. Um, or is trying to ramp to one of those insane cards we discussed earlier, one of those eight drops or something. Right. So yeah, I mean, I don't. I think this is kind of another underpowered mythic rare. Yeah, I'm not, as a mythic, I'm not excited about it, but I do think it's a 
a pretty good card. I think it does make me want to play red if I see this card and I gave it four stars. I agree. I gave it the exact same grade. I think yeah. it's four stars. All right. All right. On to the green rares here. We've got our first rare, Hour of Promise. It's a sorcery. costs four and a green. It says, search your library for up to two land cards. Put them on the battlefield tapped. Then shuffle your library. Then, if you control three or more deserts, create two 2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens. So, of note, this can find deserts, which is good. Mm -hmm. So... Let's say you are unlikely to control three or more deserts. Like, let's say you've only got three deserts total in your deck. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm probably not excited about this card at all, unless I've got one of those sick eight drops that I'm really trying to yeah. actively ramp towards. And even then, like paying five mana for my ramp spells, not really where I want to be. I want to have like the cheaper two and three mana ramp cards. Right. I mean, with with the the four mana two four that can exert to add two mana at common in this set, I don't think like Hour of Promise ramping me and then doing nothing else is uh, worth considering. Right. So let's let's talk about. So I think this card's a build around. I agree. Um, and I think like there's some number of deserts you want to have before it's playable. I don't really know what that is yet. I'm guessing it's probably like. Five or six? Five, yeah, would be my guess. Because like, um, you basically just need to have one already, because then you right. get to go find two, and then... It, it does suck that this doesn't check them in their in your graveyard, so you're like kind of punished for cycling them if you've got right. the common cyclers, but uh, in theory, you won't be doing that knowing that this is in your deck. Um, so yeah, I, I would my guess would be the same, five or six deserts. Yes, so assuming you do that, four mana ramping two lands and getting two black two two zombie creature tokens that's that's a lot going on for one card yeah um i gave this a build around three and a half i gave it the exact same grade all right yeah moving onwards what's next uh pride sovereign is two and a green for uh a two two cat that looks like it's outside of a chinese restaurant um pride sovereign gets plus one plus one for each other cat you control quick check on how many cats there are ben yeah, I, I am also a bad <laughs> podcast host, and I did not check how many cats there were. There's Sacred Cat. Uh, there's Initiate's Companion. Yeah. There's, I know all the Amonkhet cats. I don't right. know all the Hour of Devastation cats yet. Um, it also has an activated ability. It says, white tap, exert Pride Sovereign, create two 1-1 one, one white cat creature tokens with lifelink. Holy cow. Yeah, that is big game. That's a big game. So without white mana, I think this card is bad i mean it's like a gray ogre it's a three mana two two um and like maybe if you've got some in incidental cats meowing around it's fine um but if you get to unt if you play this and then the next turn your opponent basically can't attack you because you get to like block a thing exert this make two one ones and now this is a four four um or you just make the two one ones and chump with a one one lifelinker like this thing is just going to get out of control pretty fast unanswered. But I think you have to assume for it to be good, or for to grade it, I think, that, that it's basically a green-white-gold card, or um, you're a green deck splashing white for it. I agree, and I think it... I, I agree you have to assume it's green-white, and it's also kind of Planeswalker-esque, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, every other turn, making two white 1-1 one, one cat tokens, like, for only one mana, that's not a very high cost at all. No. So one mana, get a 1-1 one, one cat token every turn. Like, if you assume you're getting two of them every other turn, kind of think of it like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this card's really powerful, and I gave it I gave it a grade of four and a half stars, assuming you're green-white. I Yep, I gave it four and a half stars, assuming you're green-white as well. I think... Uh... 
it's just like this is a card that I think is very cool with the new exert mechanic. Just I, like the ability that you get to just go, okay, I passed the turn with one white mana up. How does your opponent attack into this? Like the fact that you get to like block with it and then make the cats is ridiculous. Right, and can you imagine going off with my uh, my top tier common Dauntless Haven here? Uh, the 2-1 that whenever it attacks you have to have to hurt a creature you control <laughs> I can I can imagine going off with Ben's top tier common yeah I can did you did you like how I slid the name in there too it's so subtle I'm not even noticing it anymore I had to click over to white and look what it was <laughs> uh, he's not listening to me talk at all he's just like okay what card can I reference next uh, alright what, 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 what green rare do we have next up Ben all right, next we've got Ramunap Excavator. It's a creature, a Naga Cleric for two and a green. It's a 2-3, and it says you may play land cards from your graveyard. So two, uh, three mana, two, three. That's mm-hmm. like a two, right? Three mana, two, three is like a two, yeah. The ability to play land cards from your graveyard is kind of flavor textish, unless you're building around it, right? Yeah, so there are two relevant things. One is the cycling deserts, that you can cycle them and then play them from your graveyard. And then also right. the sacrifice deserts, if you really want to go off, I mean, you can like sacrifice a desert and then replay it, sacrifice it again. Um, as we said, the, the black one and the white one are, are far and away the better ones than the uh, the other three. But um, so, you know, thinking about pairing this with green and or pairing this with white or black in that scenario. But uh, yeah, flavor text dish is probably the way to think about it. Right, and so like with Dunes of the Dead, the card we we slighted in mm-hmm. our common uncommon set review, you can really you can really go off with that card too, right? Yeah, so yeah, so Dunes of the Dead plus one of the sacrifice uncommon deserts, then you're really doing it. You're making a two two every turn. You're getting an ability. Like it's not irrelevant. I just don't know how how much you're gonna. I mean, obviously that just like tingles me in various ways. I'm like, oh, we can just like dirtle hard in this with this card, but how often is that really gonna come together? Not very often. I gave it two and a half stars. Uh, yeah, I gave it two and a half stars as well. Um, Ramianap Hydro. What's what is this Ramianap thing? I don't know. Okay, uh, we should probably know that if we're podcasting. Uh, no, disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Uh, Ramianap Hydra is three and a green for a three three snake Hydra. It has vigilance, reach, trample. So this is like Samet's snake pet uh, with all of its abilities on there. And it says Ramianap Hydra gets plus one plus one as long as you control a desert, and it gets plus one plus one as long as there is a desert card in your graveyard. So if you've got a desert in play, and if you've got a desert in your graveyard, it's a 5-5 Vigilance Reach Trample. Um, And if you got one of them, it's a 4-4, and none of them, it's a 3-3. This card's very good. Yeah, let's let's start with you've got no deserts in your deck. Uh, It's three and a green, three, three, Vigilance Reach Trample. What, What grade would you give that card? Four stars. Like, really? That that doesn't make you want to play green? I don't think so. I would give that three and a half stars, I think. I'm not excited about Trample on a 3-3, three, three, really. Uh, and I think a three mana, a four mana 3-3 three, three Vigilance Reach is just very solid. It doesn't mm-hmm. really make me want to play green. Uh, no, no, that makes me want to play green, but that, that's that's fair. Okay. Yeah, the, and the desert stuff obviously pushes it over. But but so, but so here's what I think is like, yeah, I guess I guess that's right. Maybe that is just a three and a half. Um star card but like again you're gonna get this at the latest i feel like through halfway through pack two so you've got a pack and a half to be able to try and pick up some number of deserts right but the the amonkhet deserts are not good for the most part right no but like i i would probably play painted bluffs in a two color deck if i had ramian up hydra 
Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. So, like, yeah, they're not that exciting, but they do exist. And the fact that you get to have this as a format, like, once this is just a four-four for four, it's really, really good. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, th- I think this is four stars. I gave it. That's funny. I gave it four stars too early. I felt like we were arguing there, but we've got the same grade. Yeah. I gave it four stars, and I said maybe up to a four point five if you prioritize deserts and end up getting there on the desert count. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if this is if this is a four mana five five when you cast it, or like when you're untapping with it, uh, it's really really good. Yeah. Um, all right. Next, we've got Ronus's Last Stand. This is a really cool card. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sorcery. It costs green, green, two total mana, and it says create a 5-4 green snake creature token. Lands you control don't untap during your next untap step. So two mana for a 5-4, mm-hmm. and then the downside of lands you control don't untap during your next untap step. So assuming you're living the dream and you're playing this on turn two, I think it's insanely powerful, right? Yeah, um, it's, that's interesting. Like, yeah, okay, go ahead. So the way I was thinking about how to parse this down was you could think about it as like a 2-2 two, two for 2 with uh, on your next turn a 3 mana, like a 3 converted mana cost activated ability to level it up to like a 5-4. Mm-hmm. That card would be great, right? Yes. So that's like kind of another way to understand. But it's better than that because it blocks as a 5-4 when you play it. Right. It blocks as a 5-4 when you play it. And like in the late game... You can just try to find a turn, like maybe this is the last card you play out of your hand. I, I don't think the downside is that bad here. And I think the fact that this is only two mana makes up for the fact kind of that the lands you can, like, you know, the other one was three mana. Some of the other ones have been a little more expensive. This one's only two. Mm-hmm. So maybe on turn six, you play this as your two drop and you play a four drop and then you take a turn off. But you probably impacted the board so much on that turn that you played your two mana five, four and your four drop that it's probably not the end of the world for you that you don't get to untap your lands during your next untap step. Or, yeah, or there's a scenario where, like, you play this on turn four, and now you have two lands untapped, and then on turn five, you play another land, and you play a three drop. Like, it's not, like, the fact that this is cheaper, I think, makes that clause, the untap clause, less relevant. Yes, I think it's the least punishing on this card of all this cycle of cards. For sure. Um, all that said, how many stars did you give it? I gave it four and a half stars. I just, I just went four stars. Um, but yeah, I think this card's very good. All right, on to the Mythics. All right. Uh, we got a nice wall of text here. Majestic Miriarch is four and a green for a star star chimera creature. It says, Majestic Matriarchs, or Majestic Miriarch's power and toughness are each equal to twice the number of creatures you control. At the beginning of each combat, if you control a creature with flying, Majestic Miriarch gains flying until end of turn. The same is true for First Strike, Double Strike, Death Touch, Haste, Hexproof, Indestructible, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Trample, and Vigilance. They gotta find a way to reduce that. Like, come up with an acronym or, like, a, a word that encompasses all... Uh, evergreen abilities. Evergreen, thank you. Yeah, all evergreen mechanics. Um, but anyway, so this is a 5-mana creature that has power and toughness t- equal to twice the number of creatures you control. Let's start there. So, like, it by itself is just a 2-2. Two, two. That's terrible. Yes. But you have one other creature in play. This is a 5-mana 4-4. Four, four. That's fine. And then two other creatures in play by the time you play this is not so much to ask. And that's a 5-mana 6-6, six, six, and that's ridiculous. Now, you can get kind of blown out a little bit if your opponent, like, if you, like, think it's a 6-6, six, six, you block something or attack into something, and then they kill one of your creatures or bounce one of your creatures, and now it's smaller and it's going to die. Like, you can get 2-for-1 
yeah, got to be aware of that in terms of its like fluctuating power toughness. But it still doesn't take a lot for this to be uh, um, overstated for its cost. Yeah, I, I agree. And then you're also it's also randomly going to have those abilities sometimes right. too. And yeah, and when and when it does, it's crazy. I mean, it, it, if you if you have this in a green blue deck and this is flying, if you have this, I mean, you if you're in green black and it has death touch, if or I guess wait, is death touch not on there? Yes, it is. Okay, um, uh, and it's death touch or, or whatever. Like I feel like those things are floating around, and you may want to prioritize those higher if you have them in your, uh, in if you have this card in your deck. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so then the knock against this card, right, is that sometimes it does nothing. Like it's got a wildly fluctuating power level. So I think mm-hmm. this is another another tough one to to slap a number on. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up giving it four stars. Yeah, I agree. I th- again, like I think you, you the the takeaway from my, our set review last week was I kept thinking between giving something three and a half or four. It's like, does this make me want to play the color? Do I actively want to try and get this in my deck, and do I want to skew my picks? Well, I skew picks based on this being in my pile to like be able to play this color, and I think the answer is yes. I agree. So I give I give it four stars. Um, I don't think we'll be giving this next card four stars. What is it? Yeah, this one was another with another wall of text, another weird one. There's a mm-hmm. lot of tricky rares in this set. Uh, this is Uncage the Menagerie. It's a sorcery, green, green, X. It says, search your library for up to X creature cards with different names that each have converter mana cost X. Reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. So I think, I think the most common number for X is probably going to be three or four. Mm-hmm. Because you're not really excited about getting two two drops out of your deck. You're moderately more excited if you cast this for five and you're getting three three drops. So you're drawing mm-hmm. three like creatures, three cards, and maybe you've got like a toolbox kind of thing where you've got some three drops that have good activated abilities. And if you mm-hmm. cast this for six mana, you could get four four drops, and that's probably the max number of four drops you'd want to put in your deck. Right. Like curve wise, once you get more than that, you're probably starting to be pretty glutted on fours. But and they have and to then, all be creatures, right? Like I mean, theoretically, some of those are going to be you know, there's that. There's the four mana black removal spell, the four mana red removal spell, and you can look up the name and impress us all, Ben. But we'll all know you're cheating. Um, but yeah, that like you're not four creatures at four mana is I think not often going to happen in your deck. Yeah, probably not. And then maybe you're getting like you're casting this for seven and getting like two five drops or something, or maybe mm-hmm. three five drops. The nice thing, like this is a card draw spell, right? Let's start there. Yes. Like, this is a a I don't know what the word I'm looking for is a variable casting cost yeah. card draw spell which i think is fine it's good mm-hmm. uh it's not like overly exciting i gave this three stars yeah i i wonder even if you have to think about it maybe you don't even think about it as a build around i think you're almost yeah i think most of the time uh like 60 70 percent of the time if you're casting this you're doing it for five because i think you're that's like the most you're the most likely to be able to still pull out three to get the max value, pull out three three drops. But and on the I, next turn, on turn six, you can play two three play drops. Play two right? of them, right. I just don't know how good that is. And and the fact that they can't have the same name, so like you have to have, you know, I'd be like, well, sweet, we can go grab three of the three mana three threes in green, right? The Centaur right. Force or whatever's. Uh, let's quickly look at Harry or Naga. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, I, but you can't do that, right? They have to have different names. So it feels like it's almost a build around to me. Um, so I might give this a build around three, but I think if you, if you're not actively like thinking about this card, um, it doesn't have to be a lot, but at least certainly a little bit, you can't just jam this into any deck. Um, I think it's a little lower if you're not building around it, but even at that, I think it is. Yeah. Maybe build around three, two and a half. I'm not very excited about this card. Yep. I agree. 
Um, all right, well that, that gets us through all the colors. We do have a few artifacts and multicolor cards to check out. Yeah, let's, um, let's go through the gold ones first. All right. The first of our gold ones, they're, they're all split cards. Um, enemy color paired split cards. Um, the first one is Driven to Despair. Uh, Driven is one and a green for a sorcery. And it says, whenever until end of turn, whenever creatures you control... Or, no, sorry. Until end of turn, creatures you control gain trample. And whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. So let's talk about this card first, I think. Okay. So driven on its own, I think, because I think it is sort of important to talk about like the front half of these, because at least based on the split cards from uh, Amonkhet, like some of them you only wanted to play when you can cast both of them, and some of them you were like fine to cast just the first half. Um, so driven on its own, I'm not very excited about. I think like I can imagine the scenarios where this card is insane, where I'm paying two mana all my creatures gain trip my like big green fatties gain trample makes combat miserable and even i get some uh cards off of it but probably if i'm if the trample is relevant i'm probably just dealing a lot of damage and then the card draw may not even be necessary because i may just be winning the game off of that text if my whatever colossipedes or um other green fatties now have trample i don't know what do you think yeah, I think Driven on its own is probably like a two, two and a half. Yeah, I gave Driven uh, on its own a two. Now, the second half is Despair, which is one and a black for a sorcery. And it says, until end of turn, creatures you control gain menace. And whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card. So if you play these both at the same time, it's two green black for your creatures gain trample and menace. And when they deal damage to your opponent, you draw a card and they discard a card. It's like a weird green-black, like, I mean, the, the Menace Trample thing is like a, I mean, Trample less so. The Menace thing is feels like kind of an overrun, and now so they can only block half as many of your creatures as they thought they could, and every time a creature deals damage to them, you're going to draw a card and they have to discard a card. Tough to evaluate, I think, but it's very situational. Like, great, I mean, very good when you're ahead, right? This is going to win the game when you're ahead. It's going to win the game, in a, or not win the game, but it's going to be very good in a board stall. It's going to do nothing when you're behind, and it's not great in your opener. So yeah, all I, that I adds think, up to like a three-star grade for me. I, I gave it, assuming you're playing both halves, if you're black-green, I give it four stars. I think mm. it's it's really powerful, and then like sometimes it does stone nothing, right? Mm -hmm. But the other effect is so powerful. Like Even if only two of your creatures get in, like draw two, discard two is a, a huge swing. Um, and I'm willing to pay four mana for that type of card. Now, sometimes you don't always have that luxury. Mm -hmm. uh, this was another card I saw, and maybe I'm maybe I'm biased based on seeing it cast in a good scenario. Mm -hmm. I saw it cast on the loading ready run pre pre release, mm -hmm. um, and it just absolutely destroyed the other player. In the scenario uh, you saw it, how did it compare to Destined to Lead, the uncommon black green one that like basically allowed you to make a creature indestructible and have everyone have to block it? Uh, it was way better than that because it got cast in like Destiny Elite didn't do that much in the mid game unless you had like a the, the Death Touch Scorpion or whatever. Right. Um, so this is really powerful in the mid game and the late game. So the opponent had attacked and was tapped out. Now, obviously, this was the best case scenario. Like it was the dream. Mm -hmm. uh, opponent opponent had attacked, had attacked, was tapped out, uh, didn't have blockers, and. The other guy cast Driven to Despair and cracked in with three creatures, drew three cards, 
uh, opponent had to discard three cards, got in damage. Like, it was just backbreaking. Yeah, that's disgusting. Like, won the game on the spot in the mid-game. Yeah, won the game on the spot in the mid-game. That, that is impressive. That is way better than Dustin Talid could do. Um, all right, I guess so, so, so Driven, I think we give it two, and Driven to Despair. I'm going to go, oh, boy. Yeah, I got, I'll go four. I'll go four on it as well. It's tough. I mean, sometimes it does nothing. It's yeah. All right, what's the next one we got? Next one is Grind to Dust. This is a... Let's start with Grind. Grind is a sorcery. It costs one and a black. It says put a minus one, minus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. So uh, one mana cheaper, Splendid Agony, but not an instant, right? And not able to put both counters on one creature. Right. Yes. Yeah. Also relevant. Yeah, also relevant. Um, Another card that punishes X1s in the format. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I would give this card a three and a half, I think. I agree. And then let's tack on Dust. Dust is three and a white for a sorcery. Aftermath, uh, exile any number of target creatures that have minus one, minus one counters on them. So for six mana, you can put two minus one, minus one counters on two creatures and then grind them to dust and kill them both. Yeah, four black, white, exile two creatures on its own. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, you, I think you were about to say this, but tacking on any, like, like, additional counters you've got floating around on creatures that you've put there or that they've put there, and then you just get to, like, because it doesn't say exile up to two, it's any number. So, I mean, you, you could get more than two creatures off Grind of Dust, and then that's just, like, I mean, backbreaking. Yeah, I think this is a huge bomb. I gave it five stars, assuming you're black-white. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, for, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess assuming you're black-white... <sighs> Yeah, it doesn't get much better than six mana exile two things. All right, five stars it is. Well, six mana exile two things or more. Exile two, yeah, exile, exile at minimum two things. Yeah. Yep, that seems fair. All right, leave to chance is next. Uh, leave is one and a white for an instant. Return any number of target permanents you own to your hand. That card is not very good. I mean, sure, you can, like, save stuff in, uh, like, that is getting... Um, removal targeted against it or the compulsory rest or whatever right um but not great i mean you rebuy a trial um it's nice that it's return any number of target permanents i mean it's nice to have like you know you can side this in against someone if you see a wrath right like get to fire this off when they go for a wrath and then get all your stuff back um so it's nice that it's not just a target thing that it's any number of things you want so i gave leave a two yep um and then chance is three and a red for a sorcery and it says discard any number of cards then draw that many cards if you're casting this together then maybe you're like i don't know you're flooded or you've got too many lands you can bounce some lands and filter them away to get some new cards um or you leave early in the game to or at some point in the game to like save a creature from a removal spell or rebuy something and then later on with chance you're going to discard you've like built up some lands and you tormenting voice or whatever you chance discard a couple cards draw some cards but all of this is not very exciting and i think leave to chances of two that's what i gave it yeah all right next next we've got reason to believe reason the front half costs a single blue one mana total and says scry three so how, how close to scry three is draw a card in your opinion when it's tacked onto something like in like the scry three on that uh quick let me look at it green uncommon called sifter worm got there got there uh i think 
Scry 3 is kind of better than draw a card because you're setting up, uh, you're able to like, you know, you could scry away two lands or whatever. You're really able to set up like what you want for the late game. On a one blue sorcery that has nothing else, I think it's worse than draw a card. I concur. So I, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, reason is not, there's no reason to put reason in your deck. <laughs> I like what you did there. <laughs> Uh, and the second half of the card, believe, is four and a green for a sorcery. It's got aftermath. Uh, look at the top card of your library. You may put it onto the battlefield if it's a creature card. If you don't, put it into your hand. Um, so you're only playing this if it's blue green, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we we don't think reasons playable, and you're not trying to like discard believe and pray that you have a creature on top of your deck for five mana. Mm-hmm. Um, so. If you've got some gigantically large creature that you're hoping to scry three into, like that's what the point of this card is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're trying to scry three into some huge creature and then get a little bit of a discount when you cast Believe. I think that's all like very cute and not very good, and I gave this half a star. It's, it's, it's so situational. Like You have to have... I mean, basically, you're not gaining any uh, like tempo or like mana, really, because Reason to Believe costs six. So like... Yeah, maybe to use Sifter Worm as an example, because it's a card I actually know the name of. You like have a Sifter Worm on top and you do this, like you're lucky enough to scry you to see that Sifter Worm as one of those three cards, but you're only getting a one mana discount off of it. And the number of times you can whiff with this card or like drop a two drop into play is just terrible. Yeah, I think I think I'm just gonna go zero on this card. I can get behind that. Zero stars. Um, all right. Refuse to cooperate. Uh, this is three in red. The first half refuse is three in red for an instant. Refuse deals three damage to target spells. Controller equal to that spell's converted mana cost. Nope. Not worth a card to me. I would give that a zero. Yeah, not good. Um, and then cooperate is two in the blue for an instant. And it says copy target instant or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So, you know, they they play Electrify, and you go, refuse to cooperate, both both halves, I'm going to deal you four damage and copy Electrify and shoot something else for four. That's, that's like, best case scenario. Like, or like, you know, you're copying, you're, you're refusing to cooperate, you're paying seven mana, dealing them some number of damage, and... Uh, copying the spell it doesn't even counter the spell like it, it doesn't like they're still resolving the thing that is that you're like copying i don't know this card does not seem good to me yeah i mean co- cooperates a lot better than refuse right uh yeah but it just it's still i definitely don't want to main deck it i don't think um i mean unless we, I mean, you can copy stuff that you're playing so you know you can magma spray and then cooperate and copy it so it doesn't have to be something that your opponent is playing it's something that could be something that, that you're playing but and I, I, I think it's also like another cute use would be like say they tap out for some like you happen to have seven mana and mm-hmm. they also happen to have seven mana and tap out for some seven drop you can refuse and then cooperate your refuse and dome them for 14 yeah uh, that's true that would be like a best case scenario type thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's playable in blue-red spells. Uh, yeah, I guess it, it is a finisher for blue-red spells in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I gave it I gave it one and a half stars in blue-red spells. Okay, that's fair. I think it's I think it's versatile enough that 
I think you could put it in blue red spells deck. Yeah. All right, we're finally there. It's the hour of devastation. We're in the mythics. The first mythic up, Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh. I mean, we, we've been waiting. We've been waiting for Daddy Bolas for a while now, and here he is, in all his glory. Um, he is four blue, black, red, obviously, for a planeswalker Bolas. He comes in with seven loyalty. True to form. Uh, true to form. Um, does have four abilities. Don't see four ability planeswalkers very often. The first ability is target opponent exiles cards from the top of his or her library until he or she exiles a non-land card. Until end of turn, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Uh, that's a plus two loyalty tick up. Uh, it has a plus one loyalty for each opponent exiles two cards from his or her hand. So just straight up mind rot. Minus four. Nicol Bolas God Pharaoh deals 7 damage to target opponent or creature and opponent controls. And minus 12, exile each non-land permanent your opponent's control. Really? Yeah. That's all? That's that's the ultimate for our, like, crazy Grixis Planeswalker is just a one-sided wrath? I want more. <laughs> I want more. I do. Uh, I'll, I would settle for You'll one-sided settle for wrath. Um, okay, so, I mean, this card is obviously very powerful. Yep. Um, it's it costs a lot. Uh, it requires three colors of mana, which is a lot. None of those colors are green, which is relevant in this set because a lot of the fixing is green. So you're gonna need your painted bluffs, evolving wilds, uh, your manaliths, your manaliths. Thank you. Your uh, there's there's another one. There's the the common sack evolving wildsy thing. Uh, what's it called? Traveler's amulet. Um, that that also allows you to to fix your colors for this planeswalker um so the 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 plus two uh is great if you're ahead right if you can afford to just like nab a random thing from their deck um that's great um getting the last two cards out of their hand which is probably what it's going to be when you play a seven mana planeswalker is also great if you're ahead and if you're behind you get to kill their biggest threat right seven damage to a thing you're gonna drop this seven damage to a thing and if you get any sort of board presence to protect nickel bola so that he can then tick up the next turn is going to be great um and obviously if you're getting to the minus 12 you are winning the game in limited uh, almost certainly um so this card yeah, is, th- is very very powerful i think if you're casting this card and you're not horrifically far behind mm-hmm. you're probably winning the game right so i think this is a, i think it's a bomb i gave it five stars assuming yeah. you can cast it yeah five, five stars assuming you can cast it seems quite right to me Another Planeswalker. What's up next? Samut. Not quite as exciting of a Planeswalker. Yeah. Uh, Samut the Tested. They just can't really get there with the green-red Planeswalkers, it feels like. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, cost two and a red uh, for a four loyalty Planeswalker. Two red-green. Bil- Sorry, two red-green. D- what did I say? Two and a red. Oh, two, two red-green, yeah. Gold card. Uh, four starting loyalty, plus one. Up to one target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Minus two... Samut deals... Is it Samut or Samut? I've been saying Samut, but I don't know. Samut. All right, we'll go with Samut. Samut. Sa- Whichever Samut. you want. What, what do you feel better about? I don't know. Samut feels right. Samut, Samut feels more more Egyptian somehow. Uh, Samut the Tested deals two damage divided... There are going to be people like butchering me on Twitter. <laughs> if, if we ever make it big. Samut yeah. the Tested deals two damage divided as you choose among one or two target creatures and or players. So forked bolt there. Mm-hmm. Um, and minus seven, search your library for up to two creature and or planeswalker cards. Put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. 
The plus one ability is only on offense, right? And isn't like, and then is leaving your planeswalker defenseless, right. assuming you're attacking with that card. So awkward there. Mm-hmm. Um, minus two for Forked Bolt, another card that punishes one toughness creatures or like, you know, you can kill a two toughness creature. But then your planeswalker is only down to two loyalty, probably dying, and you're probably never getting to the ultimate. If you are, you've probably already won the game through attacking them with double strike creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that said, I think this is pretty mediocre for a planeswalker but i think right. just just based on the planeswalker panic effect i'm gonna go ahead and give it like four stars maybe it's three and a half stars yeah i wonder yeah i think i think i want to settle on three and a half like does this make me want to play red green no no, no yeah so that, all right that's true i'm gonna go three and a half it but if i but if i am red it. green i'm happy to play it right? i'm definitely definitely gonna play it in my deck uh it's gonna come down it's gonna kill a creature and if i can protect it great if i can't then it's kill a creature gain a little life or whatever i agree i'm glad you said that i'm gonna revise my grade to three and a half stars because it also does not make me want to play red green yeah all right the locust god is next we got three gods here so this is four blue red for a four four legendary creature god it has flying it says whenever you draw a card create a one one blue and red insect creature token with flying and haste it has two blue red draw a card then discard a card as an activated ability and then, as the other gods will have, it has this text, when the Locust God dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So it's, uh, unless you're exiling it, baby's coming back. Yeah, these are all horribly oppressive, I think. Yeah, I agree. And a six mana 4-4 four, four flyer is, you know, as we've said, is, is fine. I think we've been giving six mana 4-4 four, four flyers a grade of three so yeah. far. Mm-hmm. Um, then, whenever you draw a card, so you, if you untap with it, you're getting a 1-1 blue-red insect creature with haste. So then this is like a six-mana 5-5 five, five flyer, basically, on the next turn. And then if you have any other turns, this is just getting horribly out of control. And if you want to just loot the turn that you uh, untap with this, you're getting another flyer. So then it's a six-mana 6-6 six, six flyer because both of the two 1-1s one, are going to have haste. So I think this card is just ridiculously good, and I gave it four and a half stars. I gave it five stars. Yeah. I think this is a stone bomb. Yeah. All right, what's next? Uh, up next, we've got the Scarab God. This is the blue-black god. He costs three blue-black. Uh, legendary creature god for a 5-5. Five, five. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses X life, and you scry X, where X is the number of zombies you control. Uh, he's got an activated ability, two blue-black. Uh, exile target creature card from a graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a 4-4 four, four black zombie. So he's got the ability of pay 4 mana, exile a creature card from any graveyard, not even yours. You get to re-trigger the end of the battlefield triggers on that creature, and you get a 4-4 four, four black zombie out of the deal. So he eternalizes something for 2 blue black, but it's an instant speed that you can use the ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's got the same clause when he dies, return it to owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So you got to exile to get rid of him. Um... Nice to see the zombie claws back in blue-black. Enough of this black-white zombie shenanigans. Yeah, back back to the old original. So, worth noting, I think that you can do the activated ability on your upkeep when you untap in response to the trigger to be able... So if you have no other zombies, you can make a 4-4 at the start of your turn and then scry one and they lose one, right? Yep. So, um, even if you have no other zombies, you can get this ability on your first untapped turn. Um, I mean, what's what's bad about this card? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. I think it's another insane bomb, and I gave it five stars. Yeah, I think. I mean, maybe I should revise. I think because I think I do think Locust God is better than Scarab God, um, but I don't know by how much. 
Yeah, they're like either like I think I think I'll go Locust God five, Scarab God four and a half, but they're both ridiculously good. And if you liked those, you'll love the Scorpion God. <laughs> Three black red for a six five. So five mana six five. Whenever a creature with a minus one minus one counter on it dies, draw a card. One black red, put a minus one minus one counter on another target creature. And when the Scorpion God dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. Like, what? Five mana six five? That just like kills things, and as you kill them, then you draw cards? How is this fair? <laughs> It's not fair at all. Yeah. This card's busted, and I gave it five stars. Yeah. Windmill Slam, five-star bomb. Really, really good. Uh, what, what, where are we going next? Colorless? Colorless, yep. Cool. What's our first colorless card? Our first colorless card is Abandoned Sarcophagus. It's an artifact. costs three colorless, or three generic, whatever. Uh, <laughs> God, that was brutal when they put that in. I know. Um, you may cast non-land cards with cycling from your graveyard. And if a card with cycling would be put into your graveyard from anywhere and it wasn't cycled, exile it instead. So this is kind of like an ongoing Yawgmoth's will for cycling cards in your graveyard. And then, yeah, as soon as this hits the battlefield. So you don't have to spend all your mana in one turn. Like it's, yeah. I want um, this card to be good. I also want this card to be good. I think it's certainly a build around, right? I agree. Um, I gave it a build around four wow uh i think this could be totally busted in a cycling deck uh but i think it only does things in the late game is the knock against it right like this does stone nothing until like you cast it on about turn seven eight nine ten yeah i'm i'm very worried about putting this in my deck so like it does nothing itself it's just like you're down a card when you play this yes then you have to have cards in your graveyard that have cycling on them and you then have to want to cast those cards so as we remember from like blue red cycling decks or blue black cycling decks or blue red spells deck slash blue black cycling decks that you were putting some a non-zero number of cards that had cycling on them just for the fact that they cycled for one mana so cards that you are not interested in casting so like i don't know there's this just such oh there's such a high uh, cost to wanting to put this in your deck i think I yeah I, I actually want to revise my grade because i was just thinking while you were talking about that so i think if we like talking about our grading system i think if mm-hmm. we give something a build around four it should make us want to build around it right based right. on our grading scale yes so th- this doesn't make me want to build around right cycling. so i'm gonna i'm gonna go down to a build around three yeah i'm i'm a little i'm gonna i i, I want to build around two and i think that's where i'm gonna land on this for now yeah, I mean, it's a cool card. Um, it's a cool card for sure, and I'm definitely going to cast this at least once. Um, but I'm, I don't expect that deck to be insane. Yeah, uh, what do we got next year? Um, next is God Pharaoh's Gift. It's a seven mana artifact, and it says at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a four four black zombie. It gains haste until end of turn. I think this card is quite good. Um, really? Yeah, I do. Be, so, so here's the deal. It's making so. How many four fours do you need to make to want to think this card is good? Mm, I mean, three? based based on three? our talk of the blue hour card, uh, I think I'm a little higher on seven mana for two four fours than you are. Um, yeah. But each but each of these has haste. Yeah. Um. 
But now I do recognize that you like we need right. This is very similar to that that card, and that you need the creature cards in your graveyard. So I think there is definitely a setup cost to this. Either creatures had to have died in combat, which I don't think is asking a ton by the time you have seven mana, or you have cycled some creature cards and they're sitting in your graveyard, and you get rid of them that way. Um, but the fact that you make get to make a four four the turn this comes into play means it's not doing nothing that turn that you're tapping out for it. Um, and then unchecked, like, yeah, if you get to make a zombie, you, you, all of your creatures become eternalizers uh, for zero. Like, yes. well, you know, in, in a sense, like you're getting each of them to eternalize, or you're getting one to eternalize each turn. Um, I think that's really good. I, I, yeah, I, I think this card, maybe not a, maybe a, it's build around just because it's seven mana. So you have to like, you, you know, your deck has to be able to get you to seven mana and be happy, like alive and stable for this to to go off a couple times but i think it's good i, I gave I, it okay. how many stars did you give it i gave it four stars wow we got yeah. a big gap here i gave it yeah. two stars wow so we'll have right. to keep an eye on this one yeah so you think you think you're going to be first picking this card and trying to build around it yes or, 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 or like ramping your deck and try to set up a defensive grindy deck yeah uh, I, I i if this is in my pack one pick one i'm taking it wow yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, I, I could be wrong. <laughs> it's happened before. Yeah, that's really interesting. We'll have to keep an yeah. eye on that card. All right. Next. Next, we've got Hollow One. It's an artifact creature. It's a golem. Costs five colorless mana. Generic mana. Costs five mana. It's an artifact. <laughs> <laughs> it's an artifact. You know what it costs. Yes. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, it's a four-four creature. Artifact creature. Golem. Hollow One costs two less to cast for each card you've cycled or discarded this turn. It's got cycling two. So living the dream with this card, right, would be like <laughs> on turn three, two one mana cyclers and casting this for one mana. Yeah. You're getting a three mana four four and you cycle two cards. Other than that, it's it's kind of fine, kind of mediocre. If you're paying five mana for a four four, we've already established that's kind of a two. I think this is maybe better than that in a blue black cycling deck. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to give it a grade of like two and a half stars. I think it being colorless makes it a little pushes it into into three for me. The fact that like, you know, it, it can go in a lot of decks. I mean, not that it not that you may want it in a lot of decks, and it has cycling on it. Like, there's just enough of this card is flexible enough that I think um, I, I'm going to give it a three star grade. Okay. Um, the last artifact we have is mirror or M- mirage mirror for three color three generic <laughs> mana. It's an artifact. Uh, it has an activated ability of two generic mana, and it says Mirage Mirror becomes a copy of target artifact, creature, enchantment, or land until end of turn. This is another one that I have no idea how to evaluate. Yeah, it's really hard, right? Yeah. Um, so my, my question that I wrote down in my notes here for you is, mm-hmm. do you think this is better or worse than clone? Worse. I think it's uh, worse than clone. I don't know. It's hard, right? Because I think it's, I think it's way worse than clone in the early game. But I think mm-hmm. it's way better than clone in the late game. Yes. Because in fair. the late game, it's always like you're probably not worried about paying the two mana every turn. So it's always going to be a copy of the best creature on the battlefield in the late game. Yes. So all that all that being said, I kind of copped out and gave this <laughs> three stars. Yeah, I gave it three stars as well. Uh, I, think I, that, I think I'll be playing it. But, but the fact that it does nothing when you play it on turn three uh, and that you need then two additional mana every turn, which until it's the late game is a real cost uh to do anything is is a real knock against this card yeah i agree yeah moving on to some lands 
Yes. On no, lands, yeah. No up mythic for, rares here. No mythic, mythic rares. artifacts, rather. We've got, up first, we've got Endless Sands. It's mm-hmm. a land. It's a desert. Uh, has tap, add a colorless to your mana pool. Pay two mana, tap, exile target creature you control. Or pay four mana, tap, sacrifice Endless Sands, return each creature card exiled with Endless Sands to the battlefield under its owner's control. So this is a pretty versatile little land here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sort of has the ability to blank removal, right? Like your opponent points a removal spell at your creature and you have two mana open. You exile it into Endless Sands. And then at some point later in the game, you're going to pay for sac- Sacrifice Endless Sands and bring that card back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it costs... The first ability does technically cost three mana because you have to tap Endless Sands. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Important to note. And the other one's kind of five. Right. You could also, if you have one of the many Wraths we've discussed, you mm-hmm. could exile a creature on your opponent's end step and then Wrath on your turn and then be able to get that creature back with Endless Sands. I hadn't um, thought about that, yeah. So, all told, I think this is a, a pretty nice utility land and I gave it three and a half stars. Yeah. It, it being a colorless land, I think, does bump it down to three stars for me. But I think you're uh, probably, you're putting this in probably most decks um, and being pretty happy about it because it yes it messes with your mana base a little bit but the fact that it's a land that has relevant text on it makes it like a basically free spell slot for you in a sense so and and with any desert synergies floating around i think this card is uh you're gonna be taking this and playing this in almost all decks that that was why i gave it three and a half stars because of the desert synergy stuff because it seems like you're going to be wanting to pick up deserts anyway and and this is and this is a, a good desert in my opinion yeah. All right. I'll, I'll bump up to three and a half. Maybe that that colorless clause maybe doesn't mess with it too hard. Um, all right. Next up is Hostile Desert. This is a land desert. It has tap for a generic mana to your mana pool, or is that a colorless mana? I don't know. Which That's is a which? colorless mana? Golly. Okay. Add a colorless mana. Add, add one of those wingdings to your mana pool, uh, and then for two mana, you can exile a land card from your graveyard. And Hostile Desert becomes a 3-4 elemental creature until end of turn. It's still a land. This I'm much less excited about. Yeah, this is not very good, right? You already have to yeah. have sacrificed some other lands, and then... Or you're cycled. Not like, right, or cycled. And you're not permanently getting a creature. You're just getting it for the turn. Right. Um, I gave this one star. I think it's not good. Yeah, I gave it one star as well. Bring us home, Ben. All right, last card here for the Rare and Mythic Rare set review. This is Scavenger Grounds. It's a land. It's a desert. has tap, add a colorless to your mana pool. You pay two mana, tap, sacrifice a desert, exile all cards from all graveyards. So essentially you're only activating that ability if your opponent's graveyard is like full of blue-red spells or embalmers. Mm-hmm. Those are the two scenarios that immediately came to mind for me. Yeah. So I think this is fine, not great. Uh, I gave it one and a half stars. Probably not starting it, maybe sideboarding it. Yeah, I think I give it one star. I think, yeah, you're probably only bringing it from the sideboard unless you've got, like, crazy desert synergies um, that you just want as many deserts as possible and you don't care about the colorless thing. But otherwise, I can't imagine you're main decking this. All right, so rare and mythic set review down. In the books. Yeah, are there what what is the what is the rare that you are most excited to play with in this set? Ooh, oh boy. Let's uh let me let me do you have one off the bat? I didn't I do. I I, right. I have one right off the bat. Lay it on my, me. My my first one is Fraying Sanity. 
Okay. Oh, uh, of course, of course. The blue, the blue enchantment. I really like. I'm gonna first pick Frank Sanity, and I'm gonna draft a mill deck, and I really hope it's actually good. Yeah. I'm skeptical about how good it is, but I hope it's good, and I hope that Frank Sanity gets there as a build around. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the number one that I'm excited to play with, and we didn't really talk about this at all but i am not very excited about the fact that there are like four five wraths in the format yeah i'm always even when there's one wrath i'm kind of tend to be paranoid about playing around wraths and i think maybe that'll help me out in this format yeah there Um, are there's there's four floating around here and then there's also two with rags to riches and sweltering suns in uh yeah i mean so you're going to be getting wrath a lot and i think that's going to be not very fun for you and then just kind of for sweetness factor, I'm really looking forward to casting a nickel bolus. Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty excited about about Pride Sovereign, the the Cat Lord, um, the the green white one. I think uh, I think that that'll be really fun to to build around. That's that's gonna make me want to play green white, whereas I was not looking to do that much in Amonkhet. And I think the cool thing about Pride Sovereign, right, is it's very powerful, but it's beatable. Right. Like it's 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 a very appropriately power leveled rear. This so the rares in Amonkhet were like basically when you didn't have a first pickable rare, it sort of felt like you were uh like below the curve a little bit in your pack one pick one in Amonkhet, I felt like. Like there was just so many really good bomb rares at at just rare that you were happy to take. Um this format seems a little less so to me. Like it, it, it there there are some fives for sure at rare, but they don't also they don't seem like unbeatable bombs like you're saying about Pride Sovereign. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think the the gods are going to be pretty oppressive and not oh very God. fun to play against. But thank God uh, they're mythic. I mean, yeah, yeah, so you're going to face them, but not very often. You know, you, you the, the times that people are able to to put them in their decks, sure, they're going to be oppressive. But And there's common answers, right? There's final reward in black, mostly. Mm-hmm. There's final reward. There's the uh, minus one, minus one counter that I already forgot the name of. <laughs> Dang it. Lethal uh, Sting. Yes, Lethal Sting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you have any other any other thoughts before we kind of wrap it wrap it up here? Um I th- I think with the, so looking at the commons, I was like thinking that this set was going to be very play out very similarly to uh uh Triple Amonkhet, but looking at the rares that there's so many sweepers and not a lot of like insane bombs like there was in Amonkhet makes me think this format's going to slow down a little bit. Yeah, that's that's kind of my prediction too. I I agree with that assessment. Yeah. So now that the reviews are out of the way, what uh, can our listeners look forward to next week? Yeah, reviews are out of the way. So next week, I assume, are you pre-releasing this coming weekend? I will not be pre-releasing. I will be waiting until the Magic Online release on Monday. Oh, that hurts my heart so much. I'm so much. sorry. Paper <laughs> magic is for losers, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I will be pre-releasing this weekend, so I assume we're going to record next week. So the set goes up on Magic Online when? Do you know the date? Uh, Monday, July 10th. I think it's up at like 1 Pacific, 10 Eastern. Okay, uh, so I will be jamming some drafts on Monday. I'm assuming you will be streaming and jamming some drafts on Monday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will be pre-releasing on Saturday, I assume. Sweet. Uh, I Oh, no, Oh, it's devastating. I won't be jamming drafts at 10 Eastern on Monday because I have band camp. Brutal. Wow. So I will Pretty be... Pretty cool guy. Can't play Magic. Has to go to band camp. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Band camp starts on Monday. So I'll be wow. playing in the evenings next week. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, and I but assume we're going to dive in and take a look at the format. Like, what our experiences have been. We'll do some Cracker Packs, probably. Yeah, and, for sure. And... Uh, 
yeah, try to try to dial in on some of these cards we had big differences on if we've gotten a chance to play with them and try to give you our best advice for how to win your first draft when you sit down to do it. Yeah, we'll try and jam as many as we can, uh, or I will try and jam as many as I can for the first few days next week, and then we'll probably try and uh, have a good number of drafts under our belt before we record so we can have as much information for you as possible. Yeah. Um, and then a quick thank you again to Springtide for our intro outro music. The song you hear uh, as it was last week is the introduction with no words and you can find their music at www.springtide.jp. Um, if you want to get in touch with us or watch us jam some drafts of our devastation next week, uh, you can check us out on twitch.tv. I am at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware and Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Come check us out. Give us a follow. Uh, and if you have any questions or you want to just say hey to us, we're both on Twitter at uh, the same names at Lord Tupperware and at Mr. Metronome respectively. Yeah, and our first episode is up on iTunes right now, and we're going to be posting the second episode uh, here shortly. Uh, if you have any feedback about the show or any questions for us, things you'd like us to address on the show, uh, give us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. We're, I think, both very excited about the possibility of interacting with our listeners and being able to help you guys out and improving the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ma- mailbag stuff is very, very much welcome and appreciated. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for us. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and we'll check you out next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Yep. See you later, everybody. Bye.